Hi, this is just a reminder for people who maybe didn't listen to the announcement episode that DuckFest is coming. Please save the date, August 31st, 2019, in Portland, Oregon, at the Clinton Street Theater, a full day of DuckFeed podcasts and other friends and shows and things like that. It's going to be a good time. Once again, August the 31st, Portland, Oregon. More details and ticketing to come. Field. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast dispatch a, episode. Yes. As Gary said, this is uh, the dispatch episode for June. As usual, we are going to read your questions and prompts, uh, talk about a long form topic, again, suggested mm-hmm. by you, and then read your uh, read your responses to the games that we've covered here this month for Puzzle Month. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna, These are always fun. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, as uh, you know, just as always, if this is something where you want to submit a question or a topic, the way you do that is by being a patron. If you go to patreon.com slash DuckFeed TV, mm-hmm. um, you can, uh, yeah, you can uh, submit a question. Yeah. Um, we also, we know that we, uh, a bunch of people have submitted topics and we only do one of those a month. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, we're aware of that we're going to get uh, do kind of a roundup as well. So yes. some of the reason to be a patron is you'll get kind of a bonus episode of us just kind of chatting about these questions mm-hmm. to kind of clean out the backlog a little bit. Yeah. You guys give us so, a lot to chew on. Absolutely. So yeah, we're going to get, uh, get right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go first. Uh, Cause I, I'm getting some old ones out of the way and I have an answer for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt uh, Leniovich asks, what popular games or trends do you not get why they are popular? Hmm. Um, I do not understand people. I don't understand playing multiple like open world multiplayer survival crafting games. Okay. And why there are a billion of these. And not like, like, I don't get it. You know, (laughs) Zelda one came before Zelda two. Zelda (laughs) three came. You know, I'm I'm not trying to do that, but it just kind of like, it just feels like you, like I can see you, like people, you all see like, Oh, like, Oh, rust is real cool. But, uh Oh, you know, survival Z simulators coming out. Yeah. Like that'll be the new shit. And like when you, at least on the surface, they all seem very identical to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that I am slightly more amenable to that type of game than mm-hmm. you are. Um, and I do not mean to speak for everybody, but for me, I, that intimidates me, even though I like those kinds of games, because that feels like a coordinative effort. Like here's this here this new game is coming out and I need to make sure that I get onto a server with some friends so we can, so we can do that. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. we, we've all got to play Astroneer. So we're going to hop on and play Astroneer together. Yeah. 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 I guess I mean, cause it, it's in general, it plays into a lot of things that don't work for me for games. And I know that they're just me, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't like playing games with other people very much. Yeah um so that's fine i understand the appeal of that it's just the fact that there are it feels like almost actionably similar 
series of like post-apocalyptic survival crafting <laughs> right, games right you know yeah yeah uh see see anything that uh spur that uh kind of forked off of daisy sure you know daisy and rust are the big you know beginning like progenitors it feels like right right and uh at least it seemed it seemed like for at least 18 months i would get recommendations from steam Greenlight. that was that was all a bunch of stuff like that yeah the the the, the forest etc yeah early early access like kind of incomplete janky i'm not saying you couldn't find fun in it i Mm -hmm. just don't know why it's almost like this weird hermit crabbing thing where it's like it feels like people go into these things and they're really fun when they're not huge mm-hmm. and then they get, you know, they get really big and people get popular and then maybe they go to a new one because it won't have this huge population. It's like using up all the planet's resources. Yes. And then going to another planet, mm-hmm. you know, almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes literally in the case of uh, Starbound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that would be, that would be my uh, kind of trend mm-hmm. that I don't get. And then like popular game, it's like it's very kingdom hearts, I guess. Yeah. You know, that seems very stupid to me, and I don't understand how people tolerate it. Like, just oh, this oh, this is dumb that it's goofy and it's very dramatic. It's yeah, not cool yeah. that it's goofy and it's very dramatic. That's gross. It gives me a repulsion, like spider instinct. Like, get away from me! Like that's a, that, that is a snake. No, Gary, yeah, it's, it's Mickey and Donald. No, that's a snake nope, together. Those are snakes. It's together. three snakes and a you know Nomura fuckboy, and they get go into an adventure, and I cannot have them near me. Like it's like going to sleep with one like a snake in the room that you yeah. don't know. <laughs> you know, like, and not like a pet snake. Yeah, they, they literally share con. Well, yeah, roll like one D snake, <laughs> and that's like that's that's, that's the, the the kind of snake you have in your room, and you just go to sleep. And like, Why does it the trust? There's a snake there. It feels like that. Like, just yeah. get away from me. Um, but that's yeah, that's that's the obvious answer. The the trend is yeah open world survival crafting games yeah i i only have one as a trend and this if it, it'll feel like i'm doing just a j- just a bit but anything with loot boxes or kind of randomness built into it um and i understand that the conversation now thoroughly uh, at least the people mm-hmm. speaking loudly about this are uh, is, is a reaction against that as being predatory etc cetera, etc cetera. I look yeah. at that and it is very difficult for me not to is very difficult for me to put myself into the mindset of somebody who is taken in by it. Sure. Just, just like it's really, it, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't see who responds to like obvious spam or whatever. Yeah. It, it happens I, enough to make it, to make it, um, to, to, to make it viable. And I understand the psychology and the gross marketing stuff behind it, but it's like, how do you not see through that? Through that? Yeah. yeah. It's also, it's weird too, because there's the, uh, the la the backlash, then the forward lash, then the backlash, you know, yeah, and then the, yeah. the backlash has been co-opted. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big E3 guy. I didn't watch E3, but I watched some commentary on it. So it showed some clips mm-hmm. and like, similar snake repulsion. Vibe. Like that's how I feel about anything now. It's just like yeah. this like intense, like, Oh, get this away from me. Uh, if it's bad. Is that how conservatives um, feel? I, yeah, I guess all the time. Yeah. The, the, uh, but just having somebody go up on stage and be like, and guess what? No loot boxes. Cool. And then the audience goes ape shit. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys invented this fucking shit. Yeah. Like, what do you, you don't get to like, be like, you, you know, can... set a, set a house on fire and then be like, and this time we're not setting the house on fire. <laughs> and then everyone's like, yeah. And I was like, you guys are all fucking idiots in this audience. Like just eat it up. 
yeah. just just like pigs to the fucking trough like just yeah. like oh please master give me don't don't exploit me i love it i love you for not exploiting me you you're can so, do whatever you want to you're me so ethical you it's a new day for publishers like, oh you're so ethical i fucking love it do whatever you want to me yeah. do what you want with my body ethical publicist like it's fucking gross man like yeah. i was in dignity yeah nerds <laughs> I'm like, i don't like them either like they're bad but you can't just like give somebody a huge fucking uh award for doing some the not doing something they never should have done yeah you know yeah we're no. not going to exploit you oh my god that's so <laughs> yes yes queen let's do it <laughs> <laughs> just, like, fucking a yeah e3 no dignity out of that there's no dignity on either side any, no, 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 no dignity party. and no dignity yeah no dignity didn't show up this year there wasn't like the no dignity dance off or yeah. dance, just dance and there's no dignity involved in any part of it oh so, we need to pick yeah. up the pace. We're only going to get through like oh, five yeah, yeah. this time. That's true. We got to go. Uh, we got to go. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Ben, uh, Ben Sapaka writes, uh, what is your ideal Resident Evil 8 look like? Where is it set? Who do you play as? What is the defining mechanic? Oh. Um, I would like for it to continue um, the Resident Evil 7 storyline in some form or fashion. I would like mm-hmm. them to go back to first person and I would like to see them do it in a desert. Put it in the Southwest. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm pretty like at this point, how come with that franchise, mm-hmm. uh, specifically has gotten this weird amount of trust yeah. for me now. So I want them to serve, to surprise me. Like, yeah. I feel like as reboots got, uh, iterated on, that's generally what made them worse other than the first time mm-hmm. with Resident Evil. So like you look at, um, four and then like five was worse and then six i like a little bit more than five but was undeniably worse than four Mm -hmm. like i don't think they should reinvent but i think them them building on some of the mythology from seven i think that's something they're not great at no you know like i'm not necessarily disagreeing with you like i'd like to see them give it a shot Mm -hmm. i don't know what else i'd want but i don't i think they, they get into trouble yeah when they're like building on mythology yeah, what what I so when I when I say that, uh, when I say oh, continue seven, what I don't want them to try and do is dovetail it further back into the umbrella narrative. Yeah, you know, yeah, to, yeah. To, you know, like if if it becomes an RE five or RE six, you know, it's like they're Plagueis again now, along with the along with the fungus and along with the molded and everything. Like I think that is where it gets keep it small, keep it localized. You know, if there are going to be those connections, make them make them scarce. You know, yeah. I would also like to see a, a, an imaginative setting, and that sounds um, easy, but it's not. Right. Because I think that Resident Evil games like have been at their best when they are in a uh, city or a mansion. Mm-hmm. And typically when they go to a ship or a train. The ship is always the death knell. The ship, the ship sucks. Uh, train, train suck. Like, mm-hmm. I think when they're on these other locations, it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, so finding something they can do and the mansion was like sublime in seven, yes. right? Like really, really good. I think that finding a good setting that is not a mansion, mm-hmm. you know, and you can end in the lab. Of course you have to end in the lab. That's yeah. fine. But typically they have like two locations and then a lab and choosing something, uh, you know, like what they did with the RE2 remake with the sewer was like really great. Yeah. Cause that's not a location I ever say that I would want, but it actually turned out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Get some get some good locations. That's not just a mansion. Like I love mansions. Yeah. I'll explore mansions every day, mm-hmm. every video game for the rest of my life. Yeah. But uh 
yeah, give yeah. me something different. So when I speak with specificity about it, they've earned my trust as well. Um, <laughs> I will take any surprise they can give me. That's just kind of like if I was thinking, oh, yeah, they're like this, this seems like a place they could go because they've not done that specifically, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, love it. Like, I'm really excited for whatever they do with the franchise. It's great to be like very excited about a franchise. Yes. Uh, now, which is not always uh, the case for me, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm just like, you know, I'm very excited for that franchise. Um, here's a question that I think is, uh, interesting, but also like fairly easy. Mm -hmm. Um, so Andrew, uh, T asks, um, and basically, um, I do rather than read the, the entire question, um, when do, it's basically, when do you consider a game finished? Mm -hmm. Um, and has that changed over time? So is it credits? Is it once you get bored? Is it once you 100% it, uh, et cetera. Um, and that's a great question, mm -hmm. uh, because it is, um, you know, we, we talked about achievements and stuff. Achievements would be a great topic. Nobody's asked us about that, but I would love yes. to, to talk about achievements. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we people like talk about that with like Sekro and such. We've talked about um, how they make that very difficult to grind up all the skill points mm -hmm. and stuff to get the, the plat or whatever. And some people consider that to be done. Um, I think of done as credits mm -hmm. um, and the degree to which I am bored. Like I, I will abandon a, a game and then I don't I don't think of it as finished, though. No, uh, if I do that and I never feel like I, I only a hundred percent things that I really love mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I finished it before then. Then it's just gravy bonus gravy. Yeah. Gravy. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough because there, there, there are any number of kinds of games. If it's narrative, obviously, you know, if the, if the story has a beginning, middle and end, yeah, when the story ends, the, the thing, the thing is over. Um, mm -hmm. and the variable there is, you know, if there's branches, do I feel like going back and seeing the other stuff? Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and that is contingent on, am I still having fun with the game? When I finished the RE2 remake, uh, just to, you know, because that's fresh in the, in the discussion here. Um, it was kind of like, all right, well, shit, I'm going to fire up and play Claire's scenario, or I'm going to see if Claire, Claire A is any different. You know, I just mm -hmm. kind of continued wanting to play more. Otherwise it's entirely, am I still engaged by this? You know, mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't chase, I don't, I don't chase achievements or anything, you know, like there's some people, it's just, they really feel like it, they have to a hundred percent a thing to be done with it to like yeah, put it yeah. aside. And we talked about this before, but for me, uh, the fact that most of the play I do is for the show recording an episode about it also gives a real strong sense of finality. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I've talked about this for 90 minutes. I know yes. it's, I've crystallized what I think about it, mm -hmm. you know, and now that's, that's done. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, with some exceptions, I I I think that I I did this morning three marathon rounds of Tetris DS, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then I basically played Frostpunk until the fever broke. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. yeah, yeah. That, and that kind of, that kind of thing happens. And there's also like this weird. So I'm playing through. I'm almost done with Divinity Original Sin two, mm -hmm. which is the best game that came out in 2017, uh, even though I hadn't played it then. Like, that game is fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and we should do it at some point. Like, obviously not this year, but, like, it is, it is the best combat in RPG hmm. that I have ever played. Um, and I'm getting near the end of that, and that's something where it's, like, I'm looking forward to credits just so I can have that, like, kind of cathartic feeling. Mm-hmm. But I have that feeling of throwing a, a pleasure grenade into the future because I know I will replay it. Yes. Like is a different way of like I'm not quite done. I want to get done so I can take a break. But it's like this is the kind of game that I'm gonna end up playing multiple times, like before I die. And it's big and spicy. Like it's not easy to do that. It's not like you know, I felt that way about RE2 as well, mm -hmm. right? And like immediately did the the next campaign. This was something where it's like I just need a long break 
but there's like this tether to the future with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I, 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 uh, this, uh, th- th- this Indian food is very, very good, but I'm going to put it in the fridge for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, you're saving yourself some leftovers. Yeah. Giving, saving some leftovers. So I tend to think of done credits. Yes. And then, but there's also different flavors of done. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, another game question here. Greg, uh, writes in saying nostalgia is powerful. Uh, it's a powerful emotion. Sometimes it it can be destructive as well. Here's a two part question. How can we best try to separate nostalgia when we go back to revisit something? And are you as an all humans, just not inclined to like something, a game, et cetera, if it was made before you were born and therefore don't have a history with it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so how do yeah, you, I, how do you separate and is it possible to feel nostalgia for something that was made before you were born? Um, at being unstuck in time, I can answer the second one categorically. It is possible because the release has nothing to do with when you are first, uh, with, with when you are first exposed to it. I think that the, um, the, it, so it, it's, uh, if it was, so it's it, actually, the question is more like, is it, po- are you not inclined to like something because it was made because you don't have history with it. Not whether mm. it's possible to have nostalgia for it. Okay. So like, um, are we, do we tend not to like things that we don't have any kind of history or background with? Like if we're coming in fresh mm. and I don't think we we tend to, I think that can help. Yeah. You know? Um, so things that are related to, or based on the tropes of things that I already like, mm-hmm. obviously I have a bit of a leg up, but sometimes I will just do something for the first time and have it be, you know, amazing. Like new, yeah. like not just least of all, like new stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, you know, something that will be old. Like, I, you know, I'm sure that, like, um, you know, obviously the uh, the or here's a, a non problematic example, um, like Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, I just kind of knew Hitchcock was supposed to be good. I didn't know very much about Hitchcock. I mm-hmm. took a class and like liked all those movies. Yeah. And they were all made way back in the day, and he's great. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, I don't like a lot of old movies. I love Alfred Hitchcock movies. Yeah. Um, so definitely possible to like that stuff, even though it has no real basis in familiar forms. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to your point, like you answered a question that was still worth answering. It just wasn't, yeah. I don't think it was what was asked, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's possible to have nostalgia for old, super old things as well, even if they weren't part of your childhood yes. necessarily. Yeah. Um, and then like, how do you separate nostalgia? Like, I guess it's worth, I think that that's part of our jobs mm-hmm. because we're media critics. I don't think that's everyone's job. No, no. Um, you can just like it and you don't have to separate <laughs> it if you don't want to. Yeah. And you also don't have to justify it. Like it can just be an, like, if somebody asks, why do you like this? I don't know. It reminds me of like a better time when I didn't have a job and my parents were still together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. That's perfectly you know? reasonable. Like it, it is before a, the storm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was before it was, the storm. it was before life attacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, you know how now, uh, you know, I'm tired whenever I'm sitting or standing or yeah. laying down, uh-huh. like it was before that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, um, how, how do you, how do you separate nostalgia? I don't know. Um, you, this is something that's been valuable is revisiting something and finding out that it's not actually that good. Yeah. I just, <laughs> it just happens for me. Yeah. Right. Like I don't, um, even something that I, I still think is, is good. Right. So like. Um, when we did, uh, Final Fantasy four for the show, right. which I still think is a good game. When I was growing up, it was one of my all time favorites. I rented it over and over. Like I beat it a billion times, yeah. um, playing it as an adult. I was like, this is still good, but just revisiting it interferes with the memory part in my head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I talked to, to Will about a lot about like old JRPGs and stuff and he, you know, and I'll be like, yeah, I played it. And it doesn't hold up. 
And his point is always that it doesn't matter if it holds up because I'm never going to revisit it. I just have this affection for what you know, brain Lord or whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And as long as I never touch it again, yeah. it's the good version that's in my head. <laughs> right. But for me, the important thing is there are separate axes. Yes. You know, like your enjoy like enjoyment of something and the, the kind of quality or analysis of it are different. And I, not everyone is interested in like whether something is good, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I am like, not just least of which, because that's the job, but also yeah. because I, I'm always been interested in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know if it's, if it's good, like what makes this good? What's cool about it? Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for these things that are very nostalgic to me, I want to revisit them because sometimes you get that feeling of just like, Oh, you know, um, this is not as amazing as I thought it was. No. And sometimes you're like, this is more amazing than I thought it was. Yeah. It's like, Oh, like playing wow. Mega Man X or playing resident evil four or something and being like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> now that I am smarter and a different person, yeah. this isn't, just nostalgia it's something more powerful this, and real than this is special in ways that i the, the, that i just didn't have the eyes to see before or couldn't articulate right you know and it, that's a that's a great feeling mm-hmm. so yeah. that, that's worth a lot i think and it's worth losing a little bit of nostalgia like it doesn't hurt me that much to be like yeah final fantasy 4 is good it's not mm-hmm. the best game in the world but it's still no. real good no that doesn't hurt me you know, yeah. it, 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 it's worth the, the good feels of being like, holy shit, mm-hmm. you know, Resident Evil 2, yeah. you know, the remake. Oh, my God, that's so fucking good. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> feeling is worth it. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't know, going going and playing something that you used to love and finding out that it's not that good. That doesn't get rid of the good feelings you had when you played it when you were little, you know. Yeah. Or when you when you saw that movie for, for the first time with somebody else. Yes, well, mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're remembering something, you're not actually you're not actually remembering the thing. You're remembering the last time you remembered the thing. You know, yeah. Like just the, yep. the the way your brain works is super weird, and sometimes that water is refreshed and it changes the basis, and sometimes you just go back to that well over and over again, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's why you get and you end up with uh, really great pieces of art that fuck around with that. So you end up with stuff like Shovel Knight, which mm-hmm. like feels like how you remember NES games. Yeah. It doesn't. It plays better than any game on NES, though. Yeah. You know, it just feels like what you thought those games were like. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool trick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a, one here that has a couple questions, but it has a uh, end question that I think we can knock out really quick mm-hmm. um, just because it's in my mind. So uh, Limorek says, um, random question. Have you ever tried changing the gut blur and gore and blood settings on Sekiro? Um, it makes the the blood black, which makes the game otherworldly. I've never mm. done that. Um, that's interesting. Um, did you listen to Austin speaking of Austin Walker talking about Jedi fallen order, um, being how kind of a souls, a Sekiro star Wars blend. Um, I did not know about that. Yes. Um, do you think it will end up on bonfire side chat? Probably not, but not because of any mean star Wars reasons, just because we have a thousand things on the backlog and Elden ring is coming, mm-hmm. which will be another long season. Yeah. But the, the question I wanted to spend more time on is what are the exciting things for me three? I'm sure you guys talked about this on the level, but I'm not on the level. Cool. What looked good to you from E3? What do you are looking forward to? Um, the new Come game out. by the Her Story guy, which mm-hmm. looks like Her Story, but more. Um, mm-hmm. I need to... Uh... <laughs> hey, what about his story? <laughs> you know... <laughs> yeah. no. Nobody talks about his story. In fact, we can yeah. try to call it history. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Everyone talks about mansplaining, but no one talks about man's pain. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that a drill tweet okay sorry i love it so much man's pain <laughs> <In quotes. laughs> um so but yeah telling lies I, I i liked her story quite a bit um and the quality of life features that they added 
you know, that, that are apparent in the, uh, in the trailer, uh, appear to be very good. And it has been long enough that I am super ready to go back into that kind of search engine based, uh, kind of game. It's very interesting that they're doing a, a sequel with that, mm-hmm. like are doing like a, another thing in that kind of engine, because like her story is something that I admire more than I like. Right. But the admiration, a lot of it comes from that kind of new way of playing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's like if there is a trick yeah. to it, you know, or if it's if it's hiding it or if it will just be an iteration, because it's not I can't imagine like a whole world of her story likes. Right. As a thing like it, it's it's. Like the word that keeps wanting to come to mind is gimmick, but that's too dismissive because it's cooler than a gimmick. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious that you went back to that. Well, mm-hmm. like I, I find that a little bit surprising. Yeah. Oh, um, the, the other thing that I am uh, really curious about is Carrion. Mm-hmm. Oh, Carrion looks awesome. Yeah. Carrion looks yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Um, that's super cool. Yeah. And then the other big stuff, you know, take or leave. Uh, you know, it'll definitely, it'll, it'll cross my, uh, it'll cross my threshold, you know, when it releases, but like those two things, they only, only do things where I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to watch that and put it on a calendar and wait for it. Yeah. Carrion looks super cool. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm definitely down for Carrion. Yeah. How about you? Uh, uh, Death loop. Oh yeah. Like I'm sure. glad arcane arcane's doing another like single player, lots of different ways of doing a situation. Those are always my favorite game. So like, you know, and I was very worried because dishonor two did poorly and Prey did poorly. Mm hmm you know, in sales. So I was worried about it, but it looks great. Yeah. Um, and they will do uh good stuff with it. And then as far as like just new announcement stuff, mm-hmm. like not a whole, like we talked about, we did a whole episode of bonfires. I chat about Elden ring, um, that will come out and, uh, you'll hear about that. Cause I think that looks good. Very excited about that. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that I'm excited about, I already knew about yeah. like the do, other world eternal. Like we knew that do was eternal. Thing, totally. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm very excited about that. Like I thought this was kind of limp from an announcement perspective mm-hmm. uh, it felt like there wasn't a lot of stuff i was like oh shit yeah like this is cool and new um yeah gotta find gotta get one of my local arcades to get that gungeon arcade cabinet i'm positive it will given the scene yeah. you have up there yeah yep if, yeah. like if there's five cities in america that get one we'll probably get one <laughs> yeah so, um, i really want to play that yeah like the like the devolver press conferences are fun you know just the, mm-hmm. the way the way they do them but like consistently they end up being just having good good stuff to get excited about too yeah you know yeah, devolver's so, great yeah what a great publisher mm-hmm. ah, man yeah. they had that devolver sale on switch and it was just like yoink 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 yeah yoink. here's all the best games for switch <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah 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 um do we want to move off of game questions we probably should. Yeah. I think we tend to give the later things uh, kind of short shrift. Yes. Uh, even though we have the most game questions. Maybe mm-hmm. do one more. Maybe do one on more. Like... Yeah. Uh, we, we can we can do uh, a, a short one here uh, related mm-hmm. to that. Here's the best stuff on Switch. Uh, Stuart McGowan writes, top Switch games? Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking at on your Switch recently? Um, I, I Switch for me is has been historically um like an indie machine no no for it so like i i just i finally feel like i'm ready to move on from gungeon i've killed all the pasts yeah and it i still cannot beat the rat fight uh it is too hard to get to is that the, uh, is is that like the ultimate kind of big bad guy kind of thing or it's it's not but it's the it's a side goal that was added most recently so it's kind of the hardest like they have that kind of escalation mm-hmm. and it's not harder than the emboss but you face it earlier so you're weaker Mm. So it ends up feeling harder than the emboss. Gotcha. Um, so uh, it's fun. It's gimmicky and cute. But yeah. so I think I'm ready to move on for that. That was mostly what I was doing. I started playing Cadence of Hyrule, um, mm-hmm. which is good. Like I was kind of ex- I mean, I think I gotten hyped a lot because everyone loves in the Slack. I think it's good. Yeah. I haven't been like, oh, shit. 
Like it definitely doesn't feel like, oh shit to me. Yeah. Um, and I just picked up on, on one of those sales. I picked up hollow Knight so I can play the expansion. Yep. You know, um, but like top, you know, Isaac and Gungeon are the two things I've spent the most time on. <laughs> yeah. You know, which are PC games by like playing them in bed. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are my faves. I don't know that they're necessarily better than like hollow Knight, but it's hard to, th- I don't know what like a switch exclusive would be. That's like the best. Right. It's all stuff that I can play on my computer. It just, it's just better. better switch. Yeah. Yep. Pretty you know, much the same answer. I've been enjoying yeah. uh, Cadence of Hyrule quite a bit. I picked that up here. Um, and uh, I don't know. Luminous Remastered is actually really good on that too. Oh yeah. I yeah. should, I need to pick that up. I yeah. forgot about that. I yep. fucking love Luminous. <laughs> and uh, I'm also digging, uh, I picked up Final Fantasy 12 because uh, that game makes tons of sense for portable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. like, that's recent stuff. It's just, it's so notable that like, you know, the, the put it on switch is such a meme thing, but like it is becoming a weird system with very little identity to it. Mm. You know, like, isn't that like interesting? Like, it's just like all this stuff is stuff you can play elsewhere. Yeah. And that's kind of just games in general, but mm-hmm. like for a game that has that meme, uh, kind of, Oh, like I love, it. I just want this on my switch. Yeah. Yeah. It has almost nothing to do with the software identity of the, the system. It has everything to do with just the fact that it's portable and some people are like that and they don't even play it portably i know right <laughs> like I, I want this to be on switch and it's like man why like you just play it on the other thing you have that just plugs into a tv that has a controller yeah <laughs> you know i know it's a good controller but is it that much better yeah you know yeah it's just weird to me yeah. like it's a cool i'm glad every indie device is coming on that thing but it may as well be like an end gauge yeah but with like more a bigger library mm-hmm. and that's you know? that's fine i'm i'm, I'm fine with that uh mario maker 2 is going to uh is going to switch that stuff up i i am so jazzed for that next week yeah yeah that uh, that actually is uh extremely cool um and then uh ultimate alliance 3 is coming out which i'm going to play with uh some problematic bachelors on the network (laughs) um and the uh so that is that's actually going to be a little bit more of kind of exclusivity yeah yeah content you know, when I think about like Switch exclusives I've played, it's like it's Smash the big Brothers, it's like yeah. it's Smash Brothers, which I didn't didn't hook me. Breath of the Wild and Mario, which were both good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that might be it. I play that's how I played Dark Souls Remastered, but like it is a weird, it's a weird fucking system. It is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a weird software for being as popular and as big a hit as it is. It's like just because of indies yeah it just it's weird it's a, it's the, like the good yeah <laughs> it's the good yeah like yeah. For, for for fuck's sake how did how did nintendo release a system where the best thing about it is stuff published by third parties mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's, it's so ahistoric it's it's very ahistoric yeah yeah and and also and this is like i'm not saying this to be a contrarian but like the first party Nintendo stuff that's been on there has not been the most mind blowing stuff in the world for me. Yeah. Like I liked breath of the wild a lot. I liked mm-hmm. Odyssey a lot, but they were not like, it was, it didn't feel like super Nintendo sea change mm-hmm. style games. Like, Oh shit. Like this yeah. is the newness. Like it didn't feel like that to me. It just kind of felt like, Oh, this is good. Like Nintendo yeah. can be relied upon to do a BB plus game. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, th- you know? I think that for both of us, if we, if we came to it without having also played and enjoyed a lot of first party stuff on the Wii U, yeah, um, yeah it would have been it, like if it was if it was a step from the Wii to the switch like the majority of people uh experienced mm-hmm. then I, I i i can imagine being being further sold on it for sure yeah like i can see that and they're all good like it's not that they're bad games they're yeah, like super yeah. good games it's just they're not you know mind-blowing mm-hmm. in the way that maybe they once would have been yeah uh moving on to life questions uh corbin says what's something that you never thought you'd be into when you were younger uh, maybe college age-ish that you're into now for me i never thought that i would love fancy cocktails and fashion when i was younger but now it's a huge thing for me also what cocktail is your favorite 
Um, what have you gotten into, Cole? I mean, so this is this is just. I think it's talking to you like you're a dog. <laughs> what have you gotten into? Cole? What's in your mouth? Drop it, drop, 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 drop it. Whenever anyone tells a dog to drop it, they turn to Max Headroom. <laughs> drop, 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 drop it. <laughs> continue to restart <laughs> uh so, no so so for me this is just a natural uh, a natural uh, like uh, outshoot of own of, you know owning a home which i never really expected to happen but but here we are uh yard work yard work <laughs> and gardening and things of that uh taking care of land is actually really satisfying hmm. yeah yeah i can uh i can see it mm-hmm yeah yeah um and favorite cocktail nothing fancy um i mean is it even a cocktail if it's just mixing one thing with with another uh bourbon and uh ginger ale sure that's a that's a cocktail yeah that's uh that's probably got a name yeah <laughs> I, I i don't know uh i i always call it a shirley temple of doom if it has uh if it has um lots of, lots of cherries in it yeah um but uh but yeah that that's that's the one how about you uh, most of my, I, I've actually been pretty consistent. Like a lot of the stuff that I'm into still makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, for me. So like, um, you know, I still like role-playing games, video games and, uh, books, you know, about similar subjects and music. Like I was into all those things, mm-hmm. uh, when I was younger, uh, and everything. I think that maybe the closest thing to this might be cooking mm-hmm. because I never had any interest when I was younger. And now it is a once in a blue moon thing for me, but I really do kind of enjoy it. You know, so I don't like I'm lazy. I don't like cleaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never have. So I don't like cooking that much because it dirties a bunch of dishes. Which yeah, I have to yeah. um, but every once in a while, I can make something like really, really good and be like, oh, yeah, it's actually fucking tasty. Mm-hmm. I made my first gravy the other day, which I know isn't fancy, but I just never done it before. Mm-hmm. I think this is good as hell. Yeah, make myself gravy. Excuse it's, me? It's, it's not something that just comes out of a faucet in the back of a Bob Evans. Yeah, like, exactly. you have to have a license to get. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very surprised by that. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite cocktail is an old fashioned. Yeah. So even though I've been drinking, I, I'm off beer. I stopped drinking beer, mm-hmm. but I've been drinking, uh, old fashions, but if I want something not that sweet or if I don't want something fancy, I've just been doing uh whiskey sodas. Yeah. Everywhere. And whiskey, whiskey, soda whiskey soda is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But can't, but can't. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, what's the next question, Gary? Um, I think that was mine. I oh, think I asked that. Uh, cool. Well, I will follow up here since you mentioned cooking. Shane mm-hmm. uh, writes, talk about cooking. What do you think of your cooking skills? What are your favorite things to make? What's your process of thinking of meals, buying ingredients, and putting it all together? The answer to all of them are gravy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, have, I have graduated to an all-sauce lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things whenever you're like kind of a fat guy and you talk about liking a delicious food. Yeah. I know even with our good audience, someone out there is like, man, like I'm, I, I am like two, you know, I'm, I'm like two more mentions of the word gravy away from somebody sending me a concern trolling. Like, no, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just worried about you. And it's like, listen, fuck millions of people eat gravy every day. <laughs> yeah. And I don't eat gravy every day. Right. I just, I just said, I just learned how to make it chill out. Yeah. It's a joke. Concern trolls. Yeah. Um, there's, there's like a really insidious thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that whole, like, listen, I'm just worried about you. Yeah. No, yeah. Nope, no, you yeah. just want me to feel bad about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, this is literally just, yeah. um, but yeah, cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, I would still be an Epicurious, a level one chef. I'm not yep. good at it. 
Um, I like making uh, one. I like making breakfast. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of breakfast. I'll make like, you know, just regular like eggs and bacon, but then I'll make like polenta cakes mm-hmm. or something with it. Um, something like that on the side. Um, and then I also like making generally one pot or one pan style thing. So I'll eat yeah. a lot of like, what if some vegetables and some meat were sauteed and then served over greens? Yes. Like that kind of thing quite frequently. That's very similar to what I do. Um, so I oftentimes, uh, cook in sprints basically. So I will grill a bunch of meat or I will basically it's, it's always the protein that I cook a lot in advance so I can kind of whip it out and, um, you know, mix it in with something. So I really enjoy doing like a bowl where it's just, you know, some kind of grain, uh, meat and then greens and then vegetables that is put in with some mm-hmm. new kind of, uh, uh, some new kind of uh, you know, sauce or seasoning or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, that generally there's that also I do, I do that with, uh, with breakfast quite a bit as well. Just basically making scrambles. Mm-hmm. of you know stuff that i have on hand back in my college back in our college house we called it making wtf okay yeah and just uh you know <laughs> just chopped up tortillas and and peppers and eggs and shit and mixed it in with like a little bit of diced up bacon stuff like that um so mm-hmm. it's it's definitely messy but really it's about um it's about can i make something that tastes good um with minimal mess and can i prepare some of this to eat later like that is the philosophy behind chili day i do a lot of leftover meal yeah stuff too because again as mentioned i'm lazy mm-hmm. i'm worried about you gary you need to but like I, well, no. You know, <laughs> little, no i'm just i'm just kidding but like i'm lazy so i like having you know a couple because like cooking for one that's the prospect right yes like you make food to have it in the future mm-hmm. so you don't have to do it that often because you're yeah, you know, and as long as and as long as you're like uh, labeling stuff and checking it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah. If anybody who like looks sideways at somebody who eats leftovers, I don't, I don't know what their what their life it's is weird. like. We we've created yeah. a really terrible straw man. <laughs> I've created like a really in the, the course of this episode, and I apologize for creating this terrible homunculus. <laughs> Actually, Doctor Garen Gary Stein was the name of the monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who made Gary Stein? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Shane. Uh, Craig asks, I'd like to hear about your political thoughts. Um, why do you think that right-wing politics are having a resurgence uh, and your thoughts on political correctness? I'd like to hear a bit more controversy, perhaps a bit more evil. It is okay to be angry sometimes and express it. It isn't healthy to stifle yourself fully in a left-wing perspective. I'd also like to hear you talk about Jordan Peterson. Um, I've only heard his podcast in the past month. They've been helping me with some mental anxiety and depression I suffer from. Heard the name brought up on your podcast a handful of time, and I wonder why you have a grudge against the guy who is genuinely helping people with mental issues. So a mm. uh, bunch of questions, like, kind of impact yeah. in there. Um, um, easy one first, the last one, mm-hmm. um, is that uh, the kind of – the thing that I feel like is insidious about somebody like Jordan Peterson is that it's not all bad advice. Like things like, Hey, you should clean up your room. Isn't terrible, mm-hmm. but gender essentialism is harmful and unacceptable. And you right. can get the good part of that without getting the bad pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, his, his entire, his entire deal yeah. since he rose to prominence specifically in intellectual dark, dark web kind of circles by refusing to, um, you know, address students uh, by their pronouns, preferred pronouns, etc., it, it seems to be entirely aiming at disaffected young men, 
Um, Mm -hmm. and anybody who is looking at that, you know, just anxiety and depression, I have infinite sympathy, um, because I suffer from those things as well. Uh, I would say, make sure that you are not being targeted, uh, by somebody who is giving you the good and then also kind of holding your hand and, you know, trying to sell you on these very old ideas about gender essentialism, about, you know, the, 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 the war on masculinity, et cetera, these old ideas in kind of a new, more transgressive package, right? Yeah. There are any number of perfectly valid self-help, uh, kind of, uh, kind of, uh, resources that you can find that don't come with, 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 with that particularly kind of nasty like putting anyone else down yeah, with yeah. it, you know, like the idea that like, if you feel bad, it doesn't have to be because X, Y, and Z people feel good. Yeah. You know, um, and that's as and that's as old as the hills, right? Like yeah. that is a a tactic for manipulating somebody is mm-hmm. ancient. Yes. Um, you know, there's just the idea like, hey, you feel bad, here's some actual good advice, but hey, maybe the way you feel bad is because of safe spaces and colleges. Like yeah, maybe yeah. that's pernicious, you know, that's maybe that's like extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. And if you like look at it, like I spent some time yeah. looking at his his big claim to fame when he broke bad and decided that uh you know, oh, I'm going to oppose this pronoun thing, which like science backs up, you know, trans identity, right? Like right. if you, if you read, go to JSTOR, yeah. you know, like if, if you're not on YouTube, if you go to academia, like if you go to journals, it backs it up as mm-hmm. a thing. Like yeah. it is a developing science. Mm-hmm. It's something that uh, for one reason or another has not been studied as much as maybe it should be, mm-hmm. but is being studied now. And there, there is new and good data yeah. that back up this kind of thing, even if it wasn't, you can't, you can't say, take somebody and be like, this person is who, who believes this thing, uh, that isn't hurting anybody who is persecuted, who is wronged, like nonstop. Uh, you can't be like, this person's just mentally ill and we shouldn't have to, you know, toe the line with them. Yeah. And it's like kind of like a dick move, you know, mm-hmm. meet a trans person. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's like literally the easiest way out of any of this stuff Yeah, yeah. is meet somebody and mm-hmm. it, It'll go away. Yeah. You know, um, and, 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 and that, that is in an accusation saying, Oh, you, you, you're anybody. Yeah. Like when yeah. you say like, Oh, do you just, you just need a wider, a wider experience. It's a little bit like saying it, it, it will sound like saying, Oh, this is a problem of education or you're voting against your economic interest, which you may, may be factually true, but is super condescending. Just a lot of people's lives. They live them in such a way that it doesn't, that, that, that they have not interacted with you know, somebody like so somebody who is trans or somebody of a different race or different culture, um, right. especially, you know, they haven't interacted with them if, as they know, right. Like they, they haven't known they've crossed paths with them. Um, you know, it is it, when we say meet somebody like that is it is with all of the best uh, kind of intention in our heart. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and again, not specifically to, to the asker, yeah, but to anybody yeah. mm-hmm. like just, there's that like, you know, solid gold, old onion, headline that's like homophobia doesn't survive meeting you know chuck and bob (laughs) you know and it was just like this like oh they were Uh like lovely they brought us over to their house they were just like very sweet i love seeing them together and stuff and it's like you know i don't know like i don't think anybody uh you know i don't think either of us would claim that like we were born woke i think that when i was younger like it was you know i was put off by some of this stuff and then it's just like you meet people and you're like oh you know what and and it's even before you read about it. It's just right. when you just kind of interest like, oh, they're just like people. Like it probably is a wrong thing to be like these people mm-hmm. 
shouldn't have rights. And this thing that is such a minor ask, you know, yeah, like, you know, even that's even before you get to the science or anything. Mm hmm. Like it just it's such like a such a minor thing. Yeah. You know, and it and with somebody like Peterson, like it invalidates the good stuff mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Because as we mentioned, the good stuff's not unique it, yeah. from him. Like it, clean your room is not unique. Like mm -hmm. that's something you can get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Without the the caveat. It, it is it, and it makes you want to go back and look at and re examine all of that seemingly good advice because how much of that has unspoken stuff attached to it, like clean your room because otherwise you won't get the sex that you're owed. Sure. Like that, yeah, you know? they, yeah. There, there can be a even if there's not, but like right. there could be like a you know a, a kind of like a Trojan horse. Yeah, or not Trojan yeah. horse, but like a you know a, a hidden part of that. Even if there's not, even mm -hmm. if it is just like good advice, but here's also some 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 hate. Yeah, it is. You know? It is very difficult to unmarry those. Um, yeah. Additionally to this, uh, you know, it is worth being super skeptical of 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 Jordan Peterson and anybody else who identifies an audience of particularly disaffected young men and says the reason that you are lonely or unhappy or you have these problems is in some part due to somebody else. Um, yes. Specifically, um, it is due to this other disempowered group. It is, it is their fault when in reality, the way to look at that is, you know, is, is my productive, energy and attention and anger being driven toward an undeserving target when in reality what is resulting in me being completely isolated or mostly isolated any of these things is that the result of a greater structure that i am that, that, that i am in right or a greater system that i am being victimized by like just you know right. are, are are you being mis misdirected you know right yeah and and kind of the first part of this, like there's sometimes when we get questions like this, there's an implication. They usually don't come, you know, from patrons. Like this is like a, a thing that will like pop up in an email or whatever. Yeah. But there's an implication that we are, you know, this like it isn't healthy to stealth, stifle yourself. Mm -hmm. And like I'm not I'm not stifled. Like when, no. when people talk about like or it's like what do you feel about political correctness? Sometimes as a thought experiment, I think like, you know, I try to be conscious of stuff like that. I do my best. Mm -hmm. Um by doing that, what am I giving up? And I've never come up with an answer for that. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, to, from the outside may look like I am towing a line on political correctness by not using slurs or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I assure you. Yeah. I'm okay. Not using slurs. Yeah. Like, it's not it has not negatively instinct. impacted my life. Yeah. You know what? Well, it's just, and I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, I'm just super fine. And, and, and doing my best to like, respect and treat people from disaffected populations as people and mm -hmm. have sympathy for like what they're going through and like read about yeah, it yeah. and stuff and stop thinking about myself didn't hurt me mm -hmm. like i'm fine i'm not giving up anything there's no you know uh it's not it's not a lot of work right honestly you know and, and like we still like fuck up from time to time yeah right? yeah and, because and it's a cost, process because <laughs> it's a process and the cost for that that you know from the outside might look like something you don't want to pay mm -hmm. is literally nothing. It's right. like, Oh, I, well, I listened mm -hmm. and I considered that I might be wrong about something. Mm -hmm. And then I moved on. Yeah. And then those like, you know, and if there, if there are parties who are wrong, wrong, like you apologize mm -hmm. and that's all you can do. And it's, you know, the idea that there's like a boogeyman out there that's yeah. like, you're going to go like Peterson's big thing when he uh, broke bad was about uh, a law that was being passed in Canada. Yeah. And there was like this alarmist kind of attitude that if this passes and I start 
if we start referring to people by their preferred pronoun, anything offensive is going to get going to be actionable legally right like it, whether it's when, intended or not that was his thing and when, when in reality that particular law it is just he he misread it greatly um yes. they, they they misread there there was no new enforcement there was basically no new language attached yeah. to this yeah you know all of his colleagues came out and and said this and it was like you're misinterpreting this and a lot of times that's what's happening is just like this idea that the consequences you know so not only does it cost me nothing to try to be conscientious if I'm not conscientious, mm -hmm. if I fuck up, the consequences are just I listen, yeah, and I apologize and I move on. I'm not in jail, <laughs> right? And if you know, and if 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 somebody out there, if like you should bring yourself to be mm -hmm. conscientious and uh, pull, you know, consider it to other mm -hmm. people and consider other people's experiences. Yeah. If you don't, nothing's going to happen to you, right? Like the the idea that people are coming to like round you up for that is not true like you might get dunked on on twitter for being a dick yeah you know uh you you will survive mm -hmm. i promise yeah like, and if if youtube like if you you know you're youtube if you go on youtube and you talk about uh the great right white replacement and how muslims are coming to take us all over mm -hmm. and youtube takes your channel away you're still okay like you can still put out those videos you know it's like you're gonna survive no right. one's going to jail nothing bad is like really happening here it's just you know you're you may be society saying you're wrong yeah. about that, uh, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. the way that it's articulating. Examining what might, what might be at the core of that anxiety, you know, just the general summation of, oh, everybody's offended by everything these days. I've got to walk on eggshells, et cetera. You know, I have no idea of a thing I'm going to say is going to is going to set somebody off like, yeah. Um, yeah, but here's but here's the thing uh, that is definitionally how ignorance works that is definitionally how privilege works and yeah, i'm yeah. using both of those words stripped of any of their va valuation right i'm not saying ignorant with any kind of Being you know like bad. right and, a, yeah. and privilege already doesn't mean bad even though people always feel like yeah, you know, it's an yeah. Attack, but like yeah. <laughs> just you know if you if you do not know that that thing is wrong then guess what you said it and you didn't know the the the, the onus is to not do it again once somebody draws your attention to it will they be mean about it yeah they might have a reason to because somebody said that exact same word to them uh in the process of directly trying to hurt them it is up right. to you to, to to listen for the signal same thing with privilege you know a thing about being a white dude is that you got a lot of stuff really good without knowing about it yeah and, you know it just that like and, that's and the way it works it's such a it's such a uh difficult concept to explain to you because yeah. like your life might be shit yeah nobody thinks and you're like life i don't is have easy. anything yeah. and the, the the trick to that is always just like your life is shit but it's not shit because yeah of of your race like yes sometimes people are not individually you know subject to a lot of fortune mm -hmm. but it's not due right to their 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 gender identity or what have you yeah um, which is like kind of a tough concept to get and it's a tough concept to hear when you feel like your house is on fire, right? Yeah. But what's happening is I feel like people like Peterson and not exclusively Peterson, mm -hmm. but like people like that are taking that feeling that people have and being like, guess what? Your house is on fire. Mm -hmm. Like people are attacking you. Like you are yeah. being, and things like, you know, a college having like, Hey, we're going to have trigger warnings when we deal with this material mm -hmm. is not an attack on you. Mm -hmm. Like nothing got taken away. Right. From you. Like, it's it's very hard for me to think of any of these, you know, two gay people getting married doesn't take anything from you. Yeah. Like, none of this stuff 
removes anything. Mm-hmm. Like it was like when I was talking about like what I'm losing, like you're not losing anything right. from this. Nobody's losing anything. It's not on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of a weird fear and not a rational one. No, yeah. uh, that's coming through. Like I, I always like when I, one of the things I've always tried to figure out, like when I started you know, becoming more passionate about like my political beliefs was like, mm-hmm. okay, what are, what is the right scared of? Because mm-hmm. there's some kind of fear here. I know what I'm scared of. Yeah. You know, the left is scared of stuff too. Like I'm scared of like stuff that's happening right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't like that. You know, I, I feel very, you know, one of the things people are like, I would like to hear your political thoughts thoughts. And people say we're very political on shows. You'll notice like, we're never like talking about trade agreements and shit. No, like, no. We're talking about how you like, Oh, it's just kind of fundamentally wrong to keep people in a cage. Yeah. You know, you know, people shouldn't die in custody yeah. <laughs> uh, from ice. Like, that's not that's like I am political, but it's so weird that these things that I think are strict kind of moral mm-hmm. things end up becoming political. Yeah, it's like it like it, it literally does not have to do with like the will of the people and the yeah. system by which by, by which representation is achieved. It is it is strictly a moral a, a moral question, a values question. It's, it's, it's very values. Like, like people yeah. are like, Oh, you're very political. And it's like, I'm not, I, I don't know that we are. I think that yeah. we are strict, like moralists, Yeah. like in a lot of ways. Like, I think that you and I both have very uh, strong ideas about what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, somebody dying in a jail cell for crossing a border is mm-hmm. super wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't remember how I got onto that because I got mad because I was thinking about the prison. The, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you uh, you, you, know, you, you were talking about idea. <laughs> you, you were you were talking about wondering what the right is afraid of. Oh right? yeah, 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 exactly. So like that's what I'm afraid of. But I've always uh-huh. been like, what is the right afraid of? And all of the things that I've seen, like when I've tried to like approach this in good faith, feel so outlandish. Yeah. So like if what's happened, what I'm scared of is human rights being violated. Right. And that happens all the time because I care about that. Mm-hmm. The idea that like white people are going to be replaced mm-hmm. is just kind of like sci-fi feeling yeah. to me. Like, yes, like people like w- there will be more diversity in this country, mm-hmm. uh, even if that happens where like white people are a minority race in this country. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah. Like what happens then? What What's next? I, I mean, like, so what, what, no, what scary I mean, that? so like. <laughs> Uh, again, arm, armchair, armchair psychologist, you know, I think that for a lot of folks, they see the way that minorities are treated and they understand that, oh, if I'm in the minority, then that is yeah. going to immediately be turned around on me. You know, Daisy Fritzroy is going to get hers and I'm going to be the victim when, yeah. when in reality, the problem is <laughs> like it just if you took away the idea that, you know, that that my, that minorities of any kind should be the victim of the brunt of, you know, any kind of power you know from the people who are in the majority then guess what it doesn't matter if you're in the minority and you would have nothing to fear so like in like both of us want the same thing which is for the person the minority whether it is you in the future or you know black and brown people or lgbtq plus people now like is for them not to feel in danger for their lives every single day or to you know suffer for a lack of opportunity whether conscious or unconscious right yeah I, I just want people, regardless, yeah, you know, of who they are, to have, you know, dignity and rights mm-hmm. and be able to be. And I don't think there should be draconian punishments, yeah. uh, for violating, uh, 
you know, such laws, right? Like there's a reason why on the shows we talk about how it's just kind of wrong for people to die in custody for crossing the borders, mm -hmm. but we don't like spend a lot of time talking about the concept of open borders. Like I don't right. want to speak for you, Cole. I don't know enough about that. Like mm -hmm. I am too ignorant to have a strong opinion about that, but I know I don't, I'm not too ignorant to know that like, oh yeah, people shouldn't die no. in weird cage camps. Mm -hmm. And it, we don't applaud ICE for having a transgender woman camp that they're opening up exclusively. Like, no, no, <laughs> nope. you know, that's not, that's, that's not really, that's not right. You know, that's yeah. not, that's not probably not good enough. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, a yeah, I don't know. It, it's a, it's, it feels evident to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that, I mean, I guess that's the, the answer to the question is it's like, nothing is being stifled. Right. I'm not stifled. And I'm also no. not, you know, in a bubble such that I don't understand right-wing perspectives. I spend a lot of time actually trying to find the good faith argument for this stuff because yeah. I want to know what it is because mm -hmm. it seems so evident to me. Yeah, and it's you driving know? an awful lot of stuff that's happening, maybe not in our day-to-day yeah. -day lives directly around us, but it, you know, it like it's part of the American story right now. And worrisomely, mm -hmm. it's part of the global story. Um, yeah. you know, is, is, is this kind of, um, resurgence, this revanchism, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a line in here, you know, I'd like to hear some more controversy, perhaps a bit more evil. It's okay to be angry sometimes, express it. Um, the idea that do, being, do you think that I'm not angry? Uh, yeah. Like, the, 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 the idea that being that, that, that being left, left wing and being angry are mutually exclusive. Um, that is not true in my experience. I, am angry quite a bit and that leads into kind of this next question that i feel you know kind of kind of line lines up matt bixler says what's the most deeply held belief or opinion you've ever uh had completely change over the course of your life um i am generally in my temperament and disposition a very moderate kind of person separating the idea that i as a moderate and mild smiling polite person you know <laughs> need to accept that righteous anger and justified radicalism is more useful than that kind of moderation. Um, that is something that, you know, it, over the course of the past decade, I have done, a, you know, a real about face on. Right. And mm -hmm. I have stopped looking for this personal thing that I value in people around me in leaders. I'm, I, I want to look at, in the political sphere, people who are willing to decide what is right and then fight for it without pre-compromise. Yeah. You know? you know, without the idea that like, it just, because like, I want this thing too much, Yeah, you know, so it has to be tempered. Yeah. Like it can't be correct because it's different than what it used to be or because it is like, you know, they're again, like being guy who repeats tweets that guy, there's that like, all time Hall of Fame thing where it's like, I just got back from the centrist rally. Mm -hmm. Really amazing. Thousands of people just chanting that we can't yeah. have better things, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's, yeah, definitely like yeah. the case. Yeah. You know, I think about it. and that's, that's common as hell. Mm -hmm. Like tons of people are just like, ah, you know, yeah, it's, you it's know. why Joe Biden like pulls so well. Right. It's just right. like, ah, you know, he's just not scary. He's not. Well, he doesn't want to do anything. It's kind of great. Yeah. You know? No, he, we're going to get back to normal. Yes. Like, it's yeah. cool. No, you know, and it's like just yeah, have Obama no. again. Like, yeah, if you're not, uh, if if you're not fighting for what you think is right, there are a lot of people who are suffering under what is wrong, who you are, whose needs you are not addressing. Yeah, you know. Yep, yep. And and, that, and what else do we have leadership for other than to like fight for what is right and try to change the world in a better way? Yeah, you know the the mere fact that that's a radical idea mm -hmm. to us is yeah so depressing and angry making. Yeah. Speaking of anger, like just the fact that like. Mm -hmm. That's something that everyone I know doesn't agree with. Right. 
like, you know, all the, like my old coworkers and family members and like Facebook mm-hmm. friends generally, like the uncle sphere. Yeah. Uh, generally just kind of like, mm, I don't know. You know, it's, it just seems like kind of scary and weird. And it's like, but yeah, but like maybe we'll take care of people though. In that case, like mm-hmm. what about real lives that get like, like God fucking think about somebody other than yourself for two seconds, yeah. you know, is just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I probably the biggest just transitioning us off of this, uh, into another, uh, non-controversial subject. <laughs> the biggest, uh, biggest change I've probably had is being, uh, more accepting of other people's religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Because I have not believed in God for a very long time. It's not something that ever really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at some point, I threw, you know, my Dawkins in the trash and realized, like, actually, you know what? Like, this is good insofar as it does good. And I know enough people whom for whom it does good and they do no evil yeah. uh, with it. So great. Yep. You know, and I just don't uh, I no longer want to get into that debate with anybody. I no longer want to uh, try to prove anything. Mm-hmm. But anyone like I no longer am concerned about being right about that. No, uh, it is just uh, something that I and I used to be. Mm-hmm. So like my mid 20s and early 20s, I was a dickhead about that. And I have gotten better. Yep. So that was a, a personal belief that changed mm-hmm. for sure. Um, we have a media question here. Um, a nice glossy JPEG of Columbo, which is one of my favorite handles, uh, says I played Hypnospace Outlaw recently and it got me thinking, what are your favorite old Internet memories? Um, um, I aim. aim. Oh God, those sounds. I, yeah. I, I sometimes just go to YouTube and listen to those sounds. Um, mm-hmm. where just, when there was somebody, uh, who I really wanted to talk to, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is my best friend going in and changing their login sound. So I knew when to run across the house to like go and talk to them, you know? So it wasn't just the of the door opening but it was the cha-ching of the cash register yeah yeah i still get a pavlovian reaction to that specific like a you know, really grainy dot wave oh yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that's a beautiful sound and just like the idea of putting up away messages oh, like yeah. having this kind of like cute little answering machine thing it'll yeah. just be some lyric yep oh always like, lyrics. the deepest thing in the world you know <laughs> just like everyone has shake it like a polaroid picture on yeah. their AOL Instant Messenger away thing, yeah. <laughs> like, like an entire generation. Yeah, uh, and then uh, yeah, so links to that day's Penny Arcade. <laughs> yeah, uh, like that. Just a quick way to find it. So like, AIM is my big one, and then uh, Home of the Underdogs, like oh, loading yeah. up floppy disk for my laptop that I brought into work mm-hmm. uh, of old PC games to try out yeah. uh, when I worked overnight as a dispatcher. Yeah, like old Home of the Underdogs was fucking a revelation. Yeah. So. Um, AOL keywords, just, a, just as a concept, I, I find that incredibly charming as an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I never must, I was never, I had AOL internet cause I had those discs, but right. I never fucked around with AOL as a go, going, or what going into the kids only area and, uh, playing like proto pre flash games about cat dog and the Nickelodeon zone and then going on to the X-Men uh, kind of chat room area and having my mom yell at me because I shouldn't be in chat rooms because I'm eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I need to play Hypnospace yeah. Outlaw. I would like to play that too. There's, you know, uh, the podcasters lament of there being too many games. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't know when I'll get to that. Yes. It's a good thing for like comrade because it would get me to like, you know, play a couple, play a game a week, mm-hmm. like an indie game a week, which was mm-hmm. pretty great, but it's just like was not sustainable because they were long. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh. 
Um, we've been going for a while, Gary. Do we want to get into the topic and then do lightning rounds? Um, let's do one more media just for parody. Yes. Uh, and then do topic lightning round. Yeah. Um, typically these tend to be about two hours and the, you know, the topic will be like 25 minutes or so and the responses will go quick and yes. I think that'll probably time out about right. Yeah. Um, so Michelle writes, are there any artists whose work you like, despite having questionable politics? I found out a few years back that Mike Nelson for a mystery science theater, uh, 3000 identifies as a fairly religious conservative guy. And it bummed me out. Um, they go on to say that, uh, this is leavened by the actor who plays crow being a world-class leftist agitator. Um, and also, uh, kind of, uh, Michelle talks about this being related to everything to Guppy and Edmund McMillan's, yeah. uh, kind of, let's say, uh, peccadillos. It's, that's actually not where, I don't know where that actually comes from. At some yeah. point, uh, we realize that we're going to, cause everything to Guppy aims to educate as well as entertain. <laughs> and we are going to teach people a lot of these kind of age old problems <laughs> that are like really, really difficult things. We're going to solve them. So right, right. stay tuned to that show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in general, yeah, but certainly for that. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a good answer for this. Okay, uh, which is Norm Macdonald. Ooh, uh, that's an incredibly good. Yeah, and uh, a comedy comedy genius and an absolute dumb shit about everything else. <laughs> Uh, just like the world's dumbest dude about anything that matters but somehow is actually able to be very funny i wouldn't saw him live which i always wanted to do and he totally broke my heart by mm. uh just not only not being like very funny but also just being you know gross offensive and not just like oh i can't believe uh he said the joke like you can you can be kind of offensive and funny like i'm not a level you know a 10th level leftist enough to say that like oh like this can't be funny right like right right you can you can use uh, there can be a joke that has, you know, language in it that's problematic that I still think is very funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, it happens all the time on Mister Show, and it's like mm -hmm. the best sketch comedy show of all time. Yeah. The um, so the uh, but he it was just like not very funny. Like mm -hmm. he was kind of doing he had this whole like extended bit about like lady comics not being funny, Ugh. and I was like, what century is this from? Because like you realize that has never been less like that's never been true, but it has never been less true in the public consciousness. <laughs> right. You know, like, no, yeah. you know, that's, that's, can't, that's not can't actually, go on that ride with the norm. Yeah. I can't go on that ride with the norm. And then like, uh, you know, a couple other things that were like that, where they were just like a little bit gross, mm. you know, and it, it's just, and he, it's frustrating because he'll disclaim, like, he'll say like, he's an idiot. Like, he's like, yeah, I don't know anything about this. I just know how to make jokes and stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, well then, you know, you, like make a joke about it yeah. or, or stop saying something about it. You can't just do, you can't just kind of like, sl like lazily, sl you know, he seemed like sick. He was like leaning on the wall and you can't just kind of lazily draw out yeah. uh, these like terrible ideas that don't have jokes, nor are they like, you know, supportable ideas. Yeah. You know, like big, big thing about like having a beer with, with Donald Trump and being like, oh, you know, like you don't want to talk to a guy who has a gold toilet. And I was like. No. Like in a vacuum, yes. <laughs> okay. Like, if you just said, like, if I like, know nothing else about the person, sure. Yeah, I, I know would, what it's like to shit on gold. Right, right. I, I, would, but, I would like to know, is it cold? Like, is it, like, do you, it, yeah. do you have to attach a warmer to it? Has it ever yeah. melted a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> like, from the low melting point. And maybe, you know, you, like, I, yes. I do want to talk about that process. However, like, that dude is a lot more than that process. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of things that just, like, drain the humor out of because it's so it's it's mean mm -hmm. it's you know it's cruel and stuff i was like i you know no i don't want to 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's just like it wasn't even a bit. He just kind of said it and expected it to be a joke, but it wasn't really, you know. Yeah. So that so that what, guy and it's was the it room feeling so it? funny. You know, it was it's funny because it was half like Portland, you know, with its weird white supremacy history. Yeah. Is like generally fairly liberal, and then there's like a pocket. Right. And there's like the Joe Rogan verse of Portland as well. Mm, yeah. And so there'd be uh people are pretty tepid about it. Uh, except every once in a while he'll say something that was very obviously like baiting and there was like one woo dude it was like you'd just be like ah you know the nice thing about donald trump is no loot boxes and someone was like yeah no loot boxes (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh that that dumb joke that callback woke up pocket so it was not worth it on either end of the mic um like no he would be like he'd say something and i can't remember this legitimately can't remember specifics and somebody would woo it but it wasn't a joke they were just wooing it because he was you know being transgressive without yeah. being funny you know no be fucking funny comedians it's your job <laughs> and, uh, good as, 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 that's all that's all yeah um no. it's it you know i in the past i've I talked about uh my experience with the lead the lead singer of eagles of death metal and hearing just hearing him off the cuff refer to uh president barack obama as a secret kenyan socialist Mm. uh yeah that was that, that was a that was a bummer i haven't really listened to their music since then um so it doesn't necessarily hear um so something recent uh so i've been kind of slowly making my way through a collection of um callahan's cross time saloon mm-hmm. yeah um and it is generally you know just extremely positive and upbeat but like because it was written in the 70s and 80s and even though Spider Robinson generally feels like uh, just a just a kind hippie uncle, there's some mm-hmm. stuff that sneaks through. Like at one point, he says it should be legal to kill anarchists. Mm. <laughs> it's like eh, I that's don't know. Fun. That's not yeah. exactly funny, and also like it, yeah. that that seems really deeply. It seems like a really deeply held belief you got there. Like, and nobody like ninety percent of the people who say the word anarchist don't know what that means. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just, just just some stuff like that and some weird, like not necessarily like bad sexual stuff, but like just, you know, outdated sexual yeah, stuff. Yeah, you just, you just notice it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it doesn't always, it doesn't always like cancel them, you know? It's no, not like, oh, no. It's I, I haven't stopped reading it. Yeah. And in retrospect, it's not like the Norm MacDonald podcast is bad now in retrospect or that book mm-hmm. is bad because he's being kind of shitty. No, you know? no. It's just of a, it's of a different it's it of a, a different time, you know, so yeah. like in no way am I trying to say Spider Robinson is worse than Orson Scott Card. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just because generally the, you know, those books are still about just kind of an incredibly broad acceptance, which I find to be to be very wholesome. But with these unwholesome things just kind of peppered in, they feel like blind spots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so those are. uh yeah. Let us uh, let us get to topic. OK, so our topic this time comes from Dean, who says, um, let's see here. So possible long form discussion, but maybe just a question I thought of could be about storytelling in games in, quote, cinematic experiences, specifically when you've spoken about games made by David Cage, Kojima, etc. You often discuss their use or attempts at filmmaking techniques to tell stories but often fail at this. I find this interesting as I, A, have played games all my life and love story through play, and B, work in the TV and film industry, so know how to tell stories in that way. 
the short version of my question would be, what are the ways that games can tell stories uh, in a way that other mediums can't? What innovations to storytelling have games uh, brought slash could they develop in the future? Why do some so why do so many game makers seem to be obsessed with cinema but don't understand it? Yeah, but this is something like you know specifically one of the the big realizations, and I yeah you know, I remember saying this during Metal Gear Solid Two, but I'm mm -hmm. sure I said during Inigo Prophecy as well as like. They're both games obsessed with being movie-like, but they would be terrible movies. Yeah. Like, they would just be paced so garbagely. <laughs> right. You know, like, imagining doing the the Emma Emmerich side quest, side path as far as emotion going, you know, in a movie where nukes are heading towards New York. Right. You know, and any movie. filmmaker making that mistake would mm -hmm. never happen, no. right? Um, not even close. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, kind of methods of storytelling, like yeah. cinematics. Um, yeah, what do you, what do you think? You go first. I, I obviously I feel like I'm on the record on this a lot. So. <laughs> the last part of that really gets under my skin, um, specifically the why do so many game makers seem to be obsessed with cinema but don't understand it? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, to armchair psychoanalyze, it's a little bit of a it's a it's a flavor of every every actor wants to direct and every director wants to act. Mm. Um, it is an aspiration to do something that feels like it has more prestige um which is a pretty uncharitable way to phrase it but that's kind of how it comes across additionally it is a bit of an arrogance that um an understanding of how to tell a story in one form is obviously going to transfer over into into something else there you know just like there are you know fantastic musicians who make terrible producers you know right. etc down the line these are very specialized skills and i think that uh, video game directors and video games that are trying to be what they are not. Um, it like that is uh, a very toxic impulse that I think is actively destructive to kind of advancement and innovation specifically because, uh, it does, you know, it, it does kind of corner the medium into really, really high budget, you know, high time commitment things. These are the games yeah. that you hear about. These are the games that a lot of money gets spent on. Um, and that is an area where I can see and, you know, desperately feel the scarcity. Yeah. Yeah. Like artistically, it ends up like, or like financially, kind of practically, mm. it ends up being a huge concern. Yeah. Right. Like even putting aside like the kind of the question I think needs to be interrogated of it being a worthwhile goal in the first place. Yeah. To ape this language, it is always expensive mm -hmm. to ape that language. And I always say always, like, yes, I know, like, you know, Brendan Chung makes games. Like, there are things, you know, there's 30 Flights of Loving, which yeah. uses cinematic technique and stuff and was not expensive. I know there are exceptions that exist. Yeah. Usually cinematic goes hand in hand with photorealistic, which is uh, a garbage pursuit uh, <laughs> for trash devs. Yeah, it's, uh, um, it's, it, is, it is like drinking salt water. Yeah. Yeah, it is not a great idea. Like, yeah, yeah you will think you are you know, quenching your thirst, mm -hmm. uh, you'll never get there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that there's an element of borrowing the legitimacy from an older medium. That's the thing. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that, that more succinct, succinctly states like, what, like, why are you trying, why, why are you trying to borrow? Like you can just be good on your own. You don't have to prove to anybody. <laughs> it, it's also harder. Like it's yeah. harder to, because there's less of a body of work. Like there is a body of work. There's, you know, there are game studies about this and stuff, but mm -hmm articulating how to do you know things through play or what have you mm -hmm. is there's less literature and not everyone has grown up 
you know, even like I'm a, you know, a relatively big uh, gamer as far as gamers go. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that it would be I don't I have not played more games than I've watched episodes of TV. Yeah. And I've not played more. I maybe have not played more games than movies I've seen like mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. You know, uh, just by the, the nature of their length and such. So I've seen so many more examples of cinematic stuff like that. Language is much more naturalized. Yeah. Uh, to me. Um, and I think the best developers that use some of it realize that it is a tool. You know, it is one thing that you can use to add and kind of make uh, like a, a complete product. Mm -hmm. You know, like my favorite games that don't go into the David Cage Kojima verse uh, still have cinematic aspects to them. Right. Like yeah. just because of uh, Cyberpunk's been the news, like thinking about Witcher 3, that is not a game that is overly cinematic. Mm -hmm. But there'll be a thing where, like, he'll arrive in an area and they'll do a pan that is very cinematic over it. Yeah. And then go back into the game, mm -hmm. you know, uh, using that kind of stuff sparingly. Uh, there was a while back. I can't remember the exact who was on the other side of it, but Austin Walker of uh, Waypoint, formerly Waypoint, and another person in the, the game Zerati uh, on Twitter were getting into it about this. And I only like I didn't see the entire argument and couldn't figure out all of the discourse yeah. around it because that's Twitter. But it was basically the other guy was saying how, you know, games using the cinematic language, uh, doing that is shitty and bad and always to be avoided. And then there was a huge like kind of pushback against that that I think overcorrected a little bit. Yeah. You know, not to, you know, for somebody who, you know, we took a strong stance against moderation, but this is something where I do think moderation is kind of key because games that like if a game only has gameplay and has no cinematic, great. Tetris, like you, mm -hmm. you make a perfect game that way. If a game just has cinematics and no gameplay, fuck it. I don't want to play it. No, like I'm not I'm not interested in that. I don't think those are good. I and, think that is actually really bad. Yeah, it might as well uh, just be so, those Game Boy Advance carts that have a, an episode of SpongeBob on them. Totally. <laughs> like, yeah, what is the you know, I don't understand why, you know, what the appeal of that is. And then in between those two things, there is this golf. Mm -hmm. And like to me, the sweet spot is like slightly towards play but still in the middle yeah and this you know, is foundational like, like the, the this discussion for us goes back you know nine years <laughs> yeah 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 this is basically you know the basic part of the network and the, the way that the magical things games can do is marry the two things mm -hmm. so a game can present you with an image of um, like that evokes a mood while you're also playing through it in a way that you feel the mood. Mm -hmm. And that is the unique thing games can do. Yeah. And that is why I get very frustrated with uh, developers who either have no interest in that, which is like a David Cage or like a Kojima where they have an interest in that and actually are very good at it, but only do it 15% of the time. Yeah. You know, like, like Kojima will do something like having you tap on, you know, resist the torture. Yeah. Right. And that's a cool gameplay narrative intersection. Mm-hmm. And then he'll just have people talk do talking heads for 45 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you, you, you had it, dude. <laughs> like like you, you, you had it. You had the scene where like reality is breaking down and the colonel's talking to me while I'm fighting endless waves of, of dudes on a thing. You had it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why are you making me watch this machinima like play? <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's like, 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 like you have it, please prove to me that you're not just doing that by accident. <laughs> yeah, and i and he's had such a long career and i've never felt like it's not an accident yeah <laughs> like the good things are not like it's so hard to give him credit for the good things because there's so much of just like you know diarrhea boys wedding bells you know <laughs> I, I know that's not anymore what you know, i actually have i know it's more complicated than that but diarrhea <laughs> boy gets a wedding yeah and uh somehow that is good so i don't i don't know 
you know, as opposed to these cool, like cool intersections, mm -hmm. you know, and he's really good at that. Like even down to like, um, I love and fucking, we're going to do Metal Gear Solid 5 at some point. Absolutely. I, I love I've, I've been calling it the airdrop on quiet. Yeah. And it like, that's not, that's like an intersection of narrative and like sim elements. Mm -hmm. And he's super good at that when he decides yeah. to do it. Yeah, as well. like just like, like like when he decides to just model situations and have these incredibly good kind of just uh, in, in interactions and collisions between different systems, you know, that, yeah. that that is something that we infinitely praise when it pops up elsewhere. It just happens to be, you know, just in the middle of this mostly miss, sometimes hit, you know, story approach. Yeah, just they're just a movie. Yeah. You know, a, a non-interactive and that's not in five, right? Like five is actually yeah, has the yeah. balance better than I, I feel like better than any of the games mm -hmm. um, other than Revengeance. And Revengeance is actually like the entertaining story one because yeah. it's actually so out there to be fun, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, like you look at and then but without that. Right. So like on that, that that spectrum, like you get to a David Cage who doesn't do anything like that mm -hmm. and has no interest in it and just doesn't want to marry those two forms at all. Right. Um, that is the mistake. Like that's yeah. where, where it's really bad. And you can go the other way. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's like squares and rectangles. Like, uh, you can make just Tetris. You can, you can ditch narrative and you can ditch cinematic storytelling and be fine. Yeah. You, you know, know, just like, I wouldn't like papers, please. Yeah. Like papers, please doesn't, isn't cinematic <laughs> at all, but it tells a story wonderfully. Yeah. Frostpunk isn't cinematic. Um, it tells that story like really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, yeah. just 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 imagine it. Imagine it flipped. You went in to uh, sit down and watch a movie, and it's asking you to do the multiple choice thing, like that Futurama mm -hmm. joke. Um, I didn't realize mm -hmm. till I did just some very basic, some very basic uh, uh, kind of research on this that there actually was like in the 1960s an experimental film that was shown at like the Quebec World's Fair. Uh, mm -hmm. It was called uh, Kinautomat. Uh, that was mm. like, yeah, uh, that was, you know, people had little dials that they could, that they could hit to make a left or right choice. Um, mm. so it, but, you know, and the, it was the consensus of the audience that determined it. I don't know. That sounds really unsatisfying to me. Yeah. 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 And if, if, and a curiosity at best, yeah, like I like choose your own adventure books because they're kind of fun mm -hmm. to me. None of them are literature. They're just kind of fun goofs. Right. You know, it's, it's a cool, it's an entertaining thing that kind of straddles that line a little bit more towards narrative than game. But like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. Like I don't, um, it's interesting that you can go one way yeah. with it, you know? And it's just like when it, when I think people fuck up is when they go too far the other way. Right. Uh, and, and just really kind of biff it. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and I've rolled this over and I've thought about it because there are absolutely examples of games like this that I've, that, that, that I've enjoyed, you know, here just recently, um, you know, life is strange, right? I, I, right. I, I think that is, a, you know, a really good experience and a good story that is, you know, sometimes well told and other times well sketched. Um, you know, uh, until dawn is another kind of example of that. Um, it's 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 hard for me to kind of like isolate and identify why both of those games, which are David Cage as fuck why those succeed for me when his stuff doesn't and it literally may just be genre it may be it may just be aesthetic it may just be the storytelling choices it was a story that i was more interested in there's also the aspect that and i feel like this and again this is i'm i know i'm hammering on kojima but like part of it is like david cage and kojima also i don't think like they would not be good if they were good if they were movies right right, right? life is strange would make a great movie mm-hmm 
Like that would be fine. You know, until Dawn would make a great movie. Mm-hmm. The fact it's not just that they're on that continuum. It's that they're inept at it. Yeah. Like, you know, and more like David Cage way worse than, than Kojima, right? Yeah. Like Kojima is a better storyteller than, than David Cage is. That's the faintest praise I can manage for anything, <laughs> but it, it is, it's true. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, the, the idea that like, it's just also being bad at it. Mm-hmm. So I think there tends to be a comorbidity of these very cinematic games with also, you know, this is the last part of the question, like people who don't understand it, mm-hmm. like, and it's not just not understanding the cinematics and the visual aspects. It's just bad storytelling. Yeah. You know, like David Cage is a terrible storyteller. Right. You know, and that's like the thing that he wants to be able to do. That's like his whole point. Yeah. So you know, when you when you can just like look at him and say, hey, man, the beast within is still like a million times better than things. you make. Yeah, it's still better than what you've done here. <laughs> yeah. There's also like an interesting part of this, too, is like the the balance in in non uh, non games of these examples that aren't so far. Yeah. Which also happened. Like, it's the thing that makes me dread, like ever trying to replay Okami because it's yeah. 15 minutes before you can play Okami. Yeah. Uh, to no good end. Mm-hmm. You know, like no real reason. 15 for minutes. Dear God, it's like 45 yeah it, it, yeah it's, it's a long time yeah. before you can actually play i think it's 15 and then you can like run around a little bit but you don't actually get out of the town opening right, area right, yeah. until like quite a bit further into the game uh-huh. and that's like a pacing thing mm-hmm. like that's something where cinematic storytelling and cinematics and games impact pacing yeah in a way that and this isn't universal like i know some like my who's on the slack really loves sitting down with the controller for 45 minutes and then picking it back up for a half hour. Yeah. And like, if you have an no appetite joke, like for it, it, then, you know, I'm not going to yeah. take it off your plate. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. People dig it. People dig it. Right. Yeah. Like I just, uh, to me, I want to be engaged at like kind of a rapid clip, even a yeah. game that's going to have like talky parts. Right. Like yeah. we did uh Baldur's gate two, And I love the pacing of that game. There's a lot of reading involved yep. in that game. Yep. So you have those kind of downtime moments, mm-hmm. you know, or like, you know, a perennial example like Deus Ex, like you go back to UNACO and you're not fighting or anything. You're going back and you're learning about missions and seeing what your your friends and stuff think about what happened. Yeah. You know, that's downtime. Yeah. Uh, but for, the, the proportions just have to be correct. For for, for, for me, like um, one of the perfect marriages of this um, is something like Mass Effect 2, which as a structure is like two seasons of a television show married to each other. You know, get good. You know, the first, first seasons getting getting the game together. Second season is you know becoming the team and then taking over the you know and then, and, then, and then taking on the enemy. You know, each mm-hmm. of those individual missions, you know, is probably about an hour an hour of being in this highly dramatic situation with the combat and dialogue choices all kind of interleaving with each other. Bookended by you know like like what happened on a firefly like we're on the ship and here's how we figure out what's going on and then we end with everybody talking about how it how it landed. Um, movie mm-hmm. you know cinema is not necessarily where I think the best the best examples of this pull from it's television you know and there are so you know there was that kind of embarrassing fad of you know alone in the dark. Uh, you know 2008 or alan wake where it was like literally on on the next episode of you know so and so like taking taking this you know television series or you know dvd box set uh style approach like that is the most superficial approach to it um see also you know like the like a good example of this like the the substance the substantive pull is again the witcher 3 or alpha protocol where each of those missions you know is like a little mini series mixed in Mm -hmm. you know 
yeah has that 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 kind of yeah that good episodic feel yeah just 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 make it feel episodic even if it is yes uh hitman make it feel episodic even if it is not strictly you know episodic because these some of the stories that these uh these games are trying to kind of ape were never meant to be stretched that long Mm -hmm. like that's a big thing that is part of like it's not a question we got to we'll get to at some point but like it's a question about falling out of love with genre and they mentioned uh, me and jrpgs mm-hmm. and it's just like none of these stories should be 50 hours long like no, no. you can't stretch the story of star wars essentially to 50 hours yeah and like you know unless you did it like a tv show yeah give me right? arcs. Like a tv show has has arcs and natural kind of stopping points and that's something that like Witcher was really good at doing again, mm-hmm. just using that as a perennial example of getting a lot of things right. Yeah. Like, hey, this is the Bloody Baron arc, mm-hmm. and here is the Witch's arc, and here is, you know, like, here is the Skellige politics arc. Yeah. Like, that's what that felt like. Whereas, like, something like, I am so, I mean, we don't have to get into it because we, we're already running a little bit long, but like, so the, the idea that uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake only does Midgar and they don't know how many games it is, mm. fuck that. That's so dumb. Mm. Like, how are you going to stretch that story up to like Midgar is half of the first disc? Yeah. What are you going to how what crimes are you going to do stretching that out? Yeah. Like, what are you going to add? How much sawdust going to be in that meatloaf? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like, or or they're going to or how many, uh, you know, how many eggs and steaks and pies and other things you're going to try to put in there. They're not going to make this harmonious. (laughs) Right. Like, oh, you trust Modern Square to fill out. What if like the whole thing, you know, that's a regular game. It's uh-huh. just Midgard, 60 hours. Uh, if that's one, you know, what if, the, what if the whole thing is, oh, I don't know, like 300 hours, it's five 60 hour games God damn to it. match that pace. You, you, you're telling me you trust modern square to come up with 250 hours of like characterization and plot, uh, based that still has to hit all of the beats that final fantasy seven, <laughs> all of these scattered, poorly conveyed beats. Yeah. Nostalgia, especially, nostalgia beats. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> Ad- I, additionally like, when 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 they're uh you know s- storytelling and characterization uh, uh kind of kind of tendencies and values have marched on from the things that are especially appealing about the yes. weird kind of just kind of monstrosity that final fantasy 7's story and characterization were yeah it, mm. i am i that is that feels like such a train wreck I, to me i i am i am incredibly skeptical no matter yeah. no matter how much you know admittedly those promotional materials successfully press nostalgia buttons for me but just kind of yeah. like you just know like you like you are grabbing by you're grabbing me by the nose you are pulling this chain and i do not have to follow no no we do not have to, to eat it up i just i just think it's just so weird to me because it's like i agree we we're talking about in the slack and i agree that like Final Fantasy VII could use some expansion. Yeah. Right? Like, you could do this as two games. Like, don't just leave Midgar. Fuck that. Like, yeah. Midgar is a very small part of that game, actually. Mm-hmm. First game should not be Midgar. But, like, you could do it as two 60-hour games mm-hmm. and expand on the characters, ex- include some deleted scenes, clarify the story. Yeah. That's the right amount of time. Yeah. But the fact that it's just Midgar and they just, they're saying we don't know how many it's going to be just is so many fucking red flags yeah it is crazy the 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 only reason to make it and then this is just a whole separate topic the only reasons to say we don't know how many it's going to be are um if the decision is going to be dictated by business like how many do we think we can get away with selling or the decision is is uh is dictated by just a complete disregard for what would actually be best for the experience 
you know, yeah. like, oh, like, well, what, what, what's the point in planning? We'll just see how it goes. Um, and what you're going to do is make something that A, might never finish, and B, if it does, be incredibly inconsistent compared to if you had conceived it from beginning to end. What it, what, yeah. it, what it feels like is, okay, this shit's been in development for six years or whatever. We need to release something or else, you know, Papa, Papa Square, Daddy's Daddy Sony is not going to give us money anymore. So while well, rush, 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 rush. We'll yeah. answer these important questions later. It just it inspires a lot of skepticism. And I, I'm just trying to imagine the scope creep that would happen to confine Midgard to 60 hours. Like it's our whatever these these things that are worrisome are already evident in that first game. Yeah. Because Midgar is not a 60 hour experience. No. Like I played through that game relatively recently. And it's like it and, and liked it. Like mm-hmm. this is not me bagging at it. Like I had a good no. time revisiting Final Fantasy Seven. Um, the thing I cannot imagine that. Yeah. You know, yes, it'll be fun to see the music and see the creatures and, and characters. Yeah. Uh, you but know, any use so that, that that plays into this because I think that they're probably going to pad that out with a lot of cinematic stuff. Yeah. And then combat that will take a very long time because it'll probably be more interesting. Yeah. You know than than it was in Final Fantasy Seven, but. I don't think it's a, I think it's a really bad idea. Yeah. Um, I also don't want anybody listening to think I'm pulling some kind of tough guy thing. We're like, it's not going to work on me. I'm not going to get it. I'll probably mm. get that. Like I, mm. I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's one of these things where I'm not going to vote with my dollars. Like I just, I'm probably going to succumb to it. So don't think that I'm, you know, don't think that I'm that principled. I'm, I'm that principled. I'll yeah. be the person that's that principled this time. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, I wasn't that, I don't like modern square games. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to play a modern final fantasy. Like those are bad. Mm-hmm. um yeah so thank you uh that's uh we kind of rambly around that but i think we we mostly got it yeah let's uh let's shoot through some lightning rounds and then get to responses yeah um we need to see these things uh so eli says how do y'all take your coffee uh i take my coffee with uh cream specifically cow cream like no i tried artificial other creams i don't like them mm-hmm. and uh and splenda yeah um i take it with a little bit of cream like in a medium coffee one one creamer mm-hmm. yeah uh, Andy says boxers are briefs, uh, boxers for me, uh, as the situation demands. Yep. I, I have a pair of briefs. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of them. They're very funny. They're like man panties. Yeah. Like they, they don't, they don't look like briefs. Like, uh, <laughs> and that was the result of not wanting to do laundry. Oh uh, yeah. No, uh, just, yeah. Yeah. Different, different situations, uh, call for different, uh, different rigots. What, uh, what is your, what is your brief situation like? Cole? Uh, my brief situation, if I'm going to be doing any kind of like physical activity, Hmm. Yeah. And boxers are more of a relaxing. Yeah. Bo- boxers are for kicking it around the house. Uh, boxers mm. are for uh, socializing. Boxer briefs mm-hmm. are for being around, being around yeah, in the, doing uh, a little bit in the world. Yeah. You yeah. Know. And, and free balling it is for uh, showering. Yeah. I don't, I don't um, necessarily free ball. I, I like, I like the support. Um, yeah. I said for showering. I, I assume you don't wear underwear in the shower. I'm just making a joke. Oh, okay. Unless, unless you don't, unless you need the support in the shower. <laughs> it's, like, my situation's a fucking nightmare, Gary. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's, I got a Squamish unit. <laughs> uh, Gabriel writes, how do you guys like your cheeseburgers? How do you like the meat cooked? And what are your preferred toppings? Oh, what toppings do you find unacceptable? I, it's very, if I could, I would just rattle off the cheeseburger in paradise refrain, which is one of the funniest middle eights of any song that's ever been. Yeah. Uh, do you know that song by Jimmy Buffett? Oh, of course I do. Yeah. I like mine with lettuce and tomatoes. Yeah. Mine's 57 and French fried potatoes. I guess I do remember it. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, how do you take your berg? How do you berg? Uh, depends on how much I trust the place. Um, if I don't trust the place, medium well. If I do trust the place, medium. Um, mm -hmm. I prefer uh, raw onions to sautéed, but I will take I will take sautéed um, barbecue sauce instead of ketchup. Mm -hmm. uh, I think is the pro way to go. Um, and unacceptable, any kind of mushroom. I don't like a mushroom on a burger. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I do medium. I uh, kind of no matter where. Um, I don't really like a rare burger. I can eat a rare steak. Mm -hmm. I don't really like a rare cheeseburger though. Right. Um, and then uh, I like almost everything. I don't do those like challenge burgers where it's like, here's an egg and here's a ham sandwich and all that shit. Um, but I like mushrooms like onions. Uh, I prefer a cooked onion. I prefer mm -hmm. cooked vegetables in general. Uh, and I, uh, cheese, I prefer cheddar yeah. and sauce wise. I prefer instead of, uh, unless I'm at like a barbecue, instead of ketchup and mustard, I prefer mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. I know that you don't do not like mayonnaise. Um, and then the, uh, there's nothing really unacceptable. Uh, the one thing that comes up a lot, uh, I stopped getting bacon on burgers, even though it tastes good because people were under or overcooking it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just this like just charred, crunchy bits that i did not care for no so, no did, like did, don't, don't put bacon on a sandwich if you wouldn't eat that piece of bacon by itself yes yeah yeah so crunchy bacon is my unacceptable yes for that good answer uh zom says uh what's your most regional or unheard of food or snack that you enjoy that we maybe have never heard about um getta what's a getta uh getta is a pork product that is native to the cincinnati and north kentucky area uh, it mm -hmm. is pork and pin oats. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, and you, uh, it's kind of like Scrapple. Uh, people okay. on the East Coast might uh, might know that. But yeah, you just uh, cut off a slice of it and you, paint, and you just fry it up real crispy and you put it on a sandwich or yeah, there. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, is, it is especially good. Um, and there are areas of Cincinnati where they make it where if you're just walking around, it smells like it and it's good. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pig is the miracle beast. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, I, Portland doesn't have a regional food. Like we have really good food here, but we don't have like a, a signature food really. No. So I do, I do not have such a, uh, a reason, uh, regional snack. Um, as far as unheard of snack I've talked about, uh, so I'll, I'll do a new one. Cause I was going to say Doritos and cottage cheese, which is very good. <laughs> uh, but because I'm trying to eat fewer carbs, I replace my chip intake with pork rind intake. Hmm. Oh, I'm so worried about you. You eat pork rinds too much. Uh, did, you know, I is, is, is somebody coming of... at you on Twitter? No. Okay. No, I just, I was just, I just realized that I'm like mentioning a lot of food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, but, uh, I've been doing uh pork rinds and then I've been uh, dipping those in hummus. Okay. Um, or like a queso. A lot of protein. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tons of protein. Hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, pork rinds are salty. Like they're mm -hmm. fatty, they're not good for you, but they no carbs, yeah, no carbs, other stuff. That's why I'm typically yeah trying to um, watch. You know, a tortilla chip is both salty, fatty, and has carbs. Yes, so I'm eliminating at least one of those things. Right. And uh, yeah, so like uh, pork rinds, you can dip them as well. <laughs> now, now know. dippable, now dippable, a dippable rind. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do one? Want to do one more? Let's do one more. Yeah. Uh, David writes, what is your sweet spot in terms of time between a game being announced and it being released? Uh, less than six months. I don't have an opinion on this, I guess. No, it's weird. Like, I don't really care. Like, I don't, it's, I don't get super hyped. I talk about that. It's not a weird brag. I just don't. Yeah. Um, like I just have too much stuff to play. So like there's games coming out that I know I want to play. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be cool when they come out until then I have plenty of stuff to play. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't care, you know? 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad it, it's like it's more like it's abstract. Like the future is all just one big box. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad there are things in that, but that future is five years. Yes. The next five years. <laughs> so. Yes. Soon. Soon, Soon. Is, is what it all is. Yeah. No. Uh, let us answer people's questions. Me- or no. No. Uh, read their responses. Read their responses. Yes. Yes. The opposite <laughs> of that. Um, I'm making an executive decision or I'm putting it to people, uh, if they would, if they would prefer Gary, I'm tired of saying it via contact at the beginning of these. I'm I, never going to stop saying via contact. I, uh, so you, I knew, I knew you would dig in. What I yeah. would like to do, um, <laughs> is replace via contact with, you know, here is John from Cincinnati. That was a show. No. Yeah. Uh, so I don't care if you make up the location, but if you end, uh, if you end your message with, uh, with, you know, where you are from, be it country, be it, uh, be it, be it state, be it city. Um, I would prefer to say that. Um, I will also, I'm fine with that. I will also throw out, you don't have to do that. No, you, you can, can make also it up. just say your name. Yeah. You, can. Well, you don't have to make it up. You can also, you don't want to play this game. <laughs> don't jigsaw them. Cole. Like if you don't want to play this, this, this comedy game with us. You can also just say your name. Yes. That is, that is I don't fine. know why we feel like we have to say something after a person's name anyway, but we do for yeah. some reason. <laughs> because because I, I tried leaving it off and you got so uncomfortable that you started it, inserting it again. It feels weird. right? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think it's going to feel weird when we say from Cincinnati or whatever mm-hmm. too, but let's find out. Like, you know, via contact is like a, what if we change it to Viva contact and we're talking about the movie? What if, what if every time we just remember how good that Jodie Foster movie is? Viva contact. That's how I'm going to do that. So I'm switching to Viva contact and you can read the names where okay. people are from. All right. I'll get us started here with, uh, with responses about into the breach. Uh, Warren says Viva contact. Uh, I'm so glad you covered into the breach. After hearing people talk about it on the level, I decided to give it a shot. I love the simplicity of this while still having it be challenging. All the mechanics are so simple that you can learn the basics of the game in a matter of minutes, but mastering it will take some time. I had been playing since shortly after it came out on the Switch. It might be my most played game on the Switch. We forgot that when we were talking about Switch games, but it's really up there for me as well. Um, as editorializing. Uh, but I never figured out how to change my pilot or squad until listening to the episode. Hmm. Since then, I've been playing incessantly and have all the squads unlocked except for the secret squad and all but three of the pilots. Uh, this game rekindled my love of turn-based games and in turn CRPGs. Currently playing through Divinity Original Sin 2, woohoo, uh, and with a group of friends, and we'll be starting Baldur's Gate 2 after that. Also jumping back into XCOM 2 for more turn-based strategy. Mm. Warren, we are of a piece. All I want <laughs> is crunchy systems and tactics right now. Yeah. It's felt great. <laughs> um, the, 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 that, uh, that notion about Into the Breach being, you know, very easy to learn. I forget if we talked about it, but just the idea that every single map just fits on the screen, no matter what size yeah, that yeah. screen is. And it's always the same size. Just, it just makes it feel like you can just fit more of it in your head. Like, like it chest, is chest DNA. It's e- the small numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That, applied is, to space. That, that, that is such a smart aesthetic decision uh, to mm. keep it like that. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, Zane writes via contact. I've been working on a board game for some time, tinkering here and there to make it more streamlined and interesting without overcomplicating it. But when you described Into the Breach as a puzzle game, something clicked for me. The way the game delivers a series of small puzzles within a single battle, in which it's difficult to predict too far into the future, and you want to spend time figuring out the best way to achieve all your goals with your limited resources, makes for a really compelling video game. Unfortunately, it doesn't work when four players are trying to do this simultaneously, which I realized was happening in my board game. 
after realizing this and watching the GDC talk that you mentioned, where they tout the merits of streamlining gameplay, I've given my game an overhaul. Uh, it's more suitable to the medium now, and I'm optimistic about the project once more. Thanks for doing the sort of analysis that helps your audience see games in a new light. Oh, thanks, Zane. Yeah, thank you. I, Good I luck with the uh, board game. Yeah. That'll, that'll be awesome. So it's very cool that you're making the thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, that's great. I, yeah, I hope it works. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't have any, I've never designed a board game, so I can't, I can't talk more mm-hmm. about that. No, no, yeah, me either. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric says, Viva Contact. So I have only one major problem with the excellent video game Into the Breach, and it is very specific and very nitpicky. Well, welcome to the, the show. <laughs> the, uh, I, I was at the end of a run with, his ha- with the Hazardous Max, and things were, not to brag, going very well. Portland's down, my max almost fully upgraded, and my grid at two bars, but with the knowledge that I had about a dozen reputation to spend. I was going into the last mission, assuming that I'd get at least two new achievements, if not three, as long as I didn't absolutely bone it. Well, what ended up happening was that my hand slipped, causing me to choose an end island reward that I would never, ever take. Self-destruct? Come on now. And then slipped again, pressing me forward to the world map. Unless I missed something, you can't access the shop screen at that point. Um, I was at the game's end with basically zero grid and a big sack of unusable reputation. Vile <laughs> euphemism. Uh, <laughs> uh, need to find the I repairer. Said, yeah. Um, the uh, Disgust that I said, I'm done with you and turn off the game, never to return. It just seems so weird to me that such a fine-tuned game would ask, wouldn't ask, hey, uh, do you want to spend all this otherwise useless resource before the last mission? No. Granted, I'm writing this about a half hour after this unfortunate incident, <laughs> so I probably returned numerous times to, into the breach by now. It's a game that I like so much that the only flaw I can find is one tiny, insanely nitpicky thing. Uh, I, they, I'm not calling you out i feel like it does that yeah i feel like i've accidentally left the thing and it's been like are you sure and maybe you just double clicked like maybe Mm. it defaults to yes or something like that yeah but i thought i really thought it did ask you that like are you sure unused reputation will will go away or something like that yeah i i I will come at you all these accidents in a row is this like an austin powers oops i fell over oops i fell over kind of thing he's trying to fall on top of a model like austin powers was <laughs> now he like to fall down on models yeah it was just the thing he did thing. it was kind of austin that's kind of his bag baby baby <laughs> yeah that sucks that it ruined your run that's a that, that is a fair amount of time down a hole that yeah that's a bummer yeah that is a big bummer mm-hmm. for sure uh, John writes via contact. I don't normally play the game of the week uh, at the same time. It appears on a podcast, even games that I like, like Pyre or Alpha Protocol or the Dishonoreds. I never got the urge to play them once I heard you were covering it. I like playing games on my own time, doing my own thing, but not this month. Into the Breach was my favorite game of last year. Puzzle Game is a perfect description for this. It has enough procedural generation to keep things fresh, but enough missions that are designed to help me choose which map is the best is uh, as the which map next best is attack. next best to tackle. Thank you. There are so many varieties to the mechs, including a bunch that make you wonder why you'd ever play them. Even changing one mech out from a normal team makes a huge difference in the way you play. Each class of mech feels unique, and the science class is like a bunch of unique. 
My only gripe is more detail on why everything is happening, because why are there only islands under attack? Or why Major HQ were on islands, because that seems nuts. Um, I found Into the Breach really easy to gain all the achievements, and I still wanted to play, giving myself goals to aspire to. Not many games inspire me to this extent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, like kind of dovetailing into that when you're done with the game. Yeah. Kind of question. Like, this is the thing where you get all the achievements, you 100% it, but you're done when you don't feel like playing it anymore. Yeah. Because there, yeah. there are still those little collisions that you can seek out. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Or just the, the pleasure of randomly generated puzzles. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I think they're on islands because of global warming. Yep. I think that's in like the lore yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a great game. Love it. I'm glad people have, uh, have definitely uh, responded to it very well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I like, it. um, yeah, it's super good. Uh, Andrew says via contact, uh, I'm not sure if into the breach was my favorite game that I played in 2018. There was some strong competition, but it's definitely the most perfect game that I played in 2018. I pretty much only play games on the train to and from work, but into the breach was one of those games like breath of the wild and hollow Knight that I found myself playing at every opportunity I could. I had to unlock the secret squad and win a run with them before I could move on to something else. But once it was announced for WAF and started getting talked about in the Slack again, the itch came back. Even <laughs> though I'd quote-unquote done everything, I was still finding new aha moments in my first run back. Unlike some other run-based games that claim to offer multiple playstyles but tend to reward only one, the more time you spend with Into the Breach, the more you realize that each squad offers its own different but similarly effective strategy towards a perfect run except the steel Jadoka. <laughs> Other than the useless Rassel bot, the only slight knocks I have against the game are the uh, couple of really unfun achievements. While the vast majority nudge you to vital strategies or offer challenging but rewarding alternative ways to play, Chronophobia, Trickshot, and Lightning War can all get crushed by the benevolent and mighty Terraformer. <laughs> when your whole progression style is achievement-based, it's tough to just ignore the bad ones. Yeah. Like seemingly everyone else who has played the game, I have a bunch of suggestions for what I'd love to see for DLC. Aside from another island or more squads, just imagine the alternate mode possibilities. Bespoke campaigns for each squad, one-turn pre-crafted puzzle missions that would get uh, really drive home the newspaper chess puzzle comparison, versus modes where one person gets to set up the VEC, uh, attack each turn in an attempt to baffle their friend or enemy. Uh, and yet, I started playing again half a year later without any new content to speak of, and I could probably keep playing indefinitely. You might as well make DLC for chess. That's a great <laughs> idea. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has wondered if the Bishop story really ended when the game did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is all. Uh, yeah. The, I think we talked about those achievement things, but it's, I know I've drawn this on another podcast. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it's in the breach, but um, enter the gungeon, which is my like du jour roguelike game right now. Um, also has a problem with that where they have some achievements that unlocks that are tied around like, Hey, do less of the fun thing in the game. Yeah, like there's this whole shortcut system where it's like, hey, get to the fifth floor with six keys. And it's like, hey, that means I didn't open chest and that's less fun. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks. Like, I don't want to destroy time, pod time pods. It's mm -hmm. like the fun part of the game, dude. Yeah. You know, get off my dick. <laughs> the, the, so like that, that kind of thing, like making achievements or progress tied to playing the game in a less fun way. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it baffles yeah. me when I when, when I see people complain about like, oh, Demon Souls, I couldn't platinum it. Or it was it was a night a nightmare platinuming it, you know, trying to get all the upgrade materials to get that one achievement about getting all the weapons or what have you. It's like, yeah, well, just don't do it. It's fine. Yeah. But like when that achievement system, you know, is standing between you and finishing the game, quote unquote, yeah. um, that is a problem. And it is worth talking about the bad ones because, yeah. you know, 
just inconsiderate design sometimes when you yeah for sure when you when you do when you tie progress when yeah. you put content behind it this, this is all great stuff for the the future achievement episode of this yes. the show eventually um yeah um yeah agreed mm-hmm. on all that stuff even though in after we did the episode some some real steel, steel jadoka fans came out of the woodwork yeah as well so some people actually really like that squad which i still do not know how to do them but i, I don't think we were straight up like dunking on them i think that would just neither neither of us knew how to use them and so we're like yeah this probably has a good use we just couldn't mm-hmm. discern it yeah we did not change our names to dunkachino <laughs> uh, no yeah um no. so about the seventh guest and the 11th hour only one response and it's from doug the uh, mm-hmm. uh fan who uh kind of uh, gosh executive produced the uh the the episode um mm-hmm. doug writes first thank you again for an incredible episode you absolutely did justice to these games your criticism was spot on though i nevertheless remain snuggled in my nostalgia armor i selected the seventh guest for a dictation for a few different reasons as you found i think it occupies a truly interesting space in the history of games even if it is mostly an evolutionary dead end Beyond that, I think puzzles are worth examining as they are, in a sense, the hydrogen atom of gameplay. But from a personal standpoint, I know I probably would not be an attorney today without my, subscri- my, without my subscription to Games Magazine. Yes, I had one, all the cool kids did, and the seventh guest. That's why, for all its flaws, I'll still revisit it from time to time. Despite its failings, its spooky ooky heart is generally in the right place. Even when it misses the mark, it has a waiting for Guffman earnestness that makes visiting the Stauff Mansion again charming enough to be worthwhile. As for the 11th hour, well, some cannot be created more equal than others. That's a great response. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would be very curious how the 7th guest made you into an attorney. That That's kind oh. of a thread that was dropped. Well, I think he just means game. He pairs with Games Magazine, so I think he just means like logic puzzles, like developing an analytical mind. Yeah, okay. You know, because the 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 puzzles from the seventh guest are basically Games Magazine. Yeah, Um, Games Magazine like is something as a kid I like would pick up every once in a while when I was sick. Mm -hmm. I'd have my mom pick up, and now I think like maybe that would be fun to have like a subscription to that. Yeah, I I never what that costs. Like just having you know this book of puzzles to deal with, you know, to fuck around with. Yeah, I so, never, I never mess around with those. So in my uh, game magazine is not a thing in my experience. Okay, it's it's seventh guest puzzles basically. Even though like now there are all these uh, spinoffs of it, so they'll be like mostly crosswords or mostly Sudoku or what have you. Yeah, uh, which were like you know the, if it were like a thing of mixed nuts, the crosswords are like the peanuts in right, games right. magazine. Like I like a crossword puzzle, but like yeah. you need you need a maximum mean, crossword guarantee. Exactly, forty yeah. percent crossword at best. Yeah. You know, I wanted some, some weird stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. The idea of puzzles is the hydrogen atom of gameplay is really interesting mm-hmm. because the, uh, you know, depending on how you gerrymander definitions, like, you know, puzzle doesn't take too many steps removed to like problem. Yeah. And then problem doesn't, you know, that's broad enough to encompass, like encapsulate almost everything you do in a game. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's not ex- like, but there is a lot, there's something there. Yeah. The idea, like, it's not a puzzle how to get Mario to jump over a Goomba, but it is a problem. Yeah. And they are, like, a things you solve through a series of inputs and, you know, it's like how much thinking is involved versus how much, like, reaction is involved. Yeah, yeah. It's like something there. there. there, there there's a very good uh, chapter um, in the book, Everything Bad is Good for You, that does mm-hmm. a good job of doing that extrapolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Doug. And thank you again for, for supporting the month and the episode. Yes. So, yeah. Um, moving on to responses about Tetris. Samuel says, Viva Contact. Uh, just in on the off chance that you guys haven't played it, definitely check out the Tetris Battle Gaiden on Super Famicom. It has really unique versus mode that isn't in any other version. I haven't gotten around to playing it on anything but emulators, but it's not particularly expensive. Uh, and modding an SNES to play Super Famicom games just takes needle nose pliers and some elbow grease. Regardless, can't wait for the Tetris episode. I'm a weirdo who imported the physical Japanese copy of Puyo Puyo Tetris so I could get it on PlayStation Vita. Mm. Vita! Vita content. <laughs> Viva Vita. Uh, the, uh, so, yeah, I have not played that one. Um, no, uh, a couple of people. So somebody recommended, um, oh gosh, what, uh, New Tetris 3 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, there's, there's a Super Tetris 3. Yeah, Super Tetris uh, I saw 3. That. Yeah. I, this made me think, um, you know, because you think about, like, where do they go to Tetris? Where is there still to go? And you think nothing, and then they surprise you with cool new stuff. Right. Um, I would still pay for a Tetris that was, like, here's every variant of Tetris that has ever been officially licensed. Yeah. Like here, here's 60 versions of Tetris. Yeah. Just a menu. Tetris anniversary collection. Yeah. yeah. That, like that would be cool. Yep. Turns out just on. having all these weird variants, even though I don't tend to like those, I would like to mm-hmm. flip through them, you know? Yeah. Or, or just uh, like hyper granular stuff. So like, I want to turn off infinity spin, but I want to have the ability to do uh, the new Tetris mega blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Make it granular, mm-hmm. granular, like, uh, yeah. Tetris, Tetris, build it or yeah. whatever. That'd be cool. Tetris maker. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> which, which is just everybody's like game design one one class is Tetris yeah. maker. Yeah. It's you very make the clock, and then you make the Tetris. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's an online project that I want to try called like NAND Tetris, which is a okay. computer science thing, but, um, it is, um, designing Tetris from the NAND gate up. Okay. Uh, so it's like circuit design up to like OS design and then kind of programming Tetris hmm. like that. Yeah. Hmm. It seems like it'd be a fun project. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, no. Kian or Cian, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, says via contact, if you purchased Tetris Effect during the first week of its release, you could receive the classic Tetris theme as part of the weekly ritual that takes place every Saturday. Less fortunate fans of the series, myself included, instead had to grind to level 50 before this would be unlocked. To put that in perspective, getting through the campaign only brought me to level 16. Grinding the more experience-efficient modes uh, quickly became tedious, but uh, now that I have unlocked the classic theme, I can say that it was 100% worth it. Now, only another 50 levels to Grandmaster. I did not know about that. Neither did I. Uh, yeah, I knew that it was giving me a level, but I ignored it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. yeah, yeah, I cannot imagine grinding uh, Tetris Effect. Personally, no. like I, I would like a classic theme is appealing to me, and whatever they do with it, it would be cool to play through. But I yeah. just can't imagine grinding Tetris Effect. It's, it's a it's a weird thing, right? Because you know I can play a shitload of Tetris, and I have been since we recorded the uh, that episode. Um, but the idea of watching like a little meter tick up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for, for, for some reason feels joyless to me. And I don't mean to invalidate your effort that you've put in. No, I'd, I'd probably spend four bucks on a classic Tetris theme for, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could, yeah. They could just sell it to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, 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 um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's neat. I didn't know it was, existed though. So I'm definitely gonna look it up on YouTube Yeah, because I want to see what they do with the music for it. Mm-hmm. So cool. Thank you for uh, letting me know. Yeah. Um, Michael says Viva contact. Uh, <laughs> At its core, all Tetris games consist of tetronomos, 
falling down the screen, and we clear lines. But changing very little things like the number of Tetronomos on the preview and being able to hold one piece changed the pace of the game greatly. In the original Tetris, there is only one preview piece, and the pieces lock into the board incredibly quickly, and T-spins don't exist as a score multiplier. This makes the original Tetris incredibly reactive, focusing purely on getting Tetrises. By adding more pieces to the preview and the ability to hold the piece, different types of score multipliers and delaying the lock into the board turns the game into falling chess. Hmm. Modern Tetris requires thinking three or four pieces ahead to play at the ludicrous speeds it's played at. Finally, the randomization of the pieces that show up has changed. Pieces used to be purely random, and now in modern Tetris, they are random in pools, so you can't get three L pieces in a row or a draught of 40 pieces before your next line. Uh, the tiniest changes make the game so different. If you guys want more Tetris info, check out this classic Tetris championship, the Tetris AG, AGDQ runs, or Tafokints on YouTube or your local library. He <laughs> does not include the local library. No, no. There's an implied local library at the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I felt very satisfied. Like it was very gratifying to graduate to the level of Tetris where I was looking more than one piece ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, but like by the time my hands are enacting the work of placing the piece, I am already, um, I, I, I am already looking down the line. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, it, you're right that it does change. Like, you know, it's the thing of the things I don't really understand the, the pushback against those added features, because I mm -hmm. do think that it just adds strategic depth, yeah. you know, to the game, like falling chess is a fun way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gabe writes via contact. I imagine many of your responses will be similar to this observation. Tetris is a game that scratches an itch in our fundamental existence in a universe based on Euclidean ge geometry. It is Surprisingly, no. <laughs> You're the first person to bring up that phrase, Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It is a ballet of space and time set to Tchaikovsky. Uh, it is a game that beckons something deeper to the core of existence. In short, the quantity of blocks, mixture of shapes, and speed at which they move is as close to perfect as any game I've ever played. That said, I'd like to share a funny story. Last year at the Portland Richard Gaming Expo, I was watching the Tetris World Championship. I felt what I imagine to be the exhilaration that sports fans feel when they watch the sports bowl. I noticed even the police officers taking their eyes off their duty to watch the championship. Tetris is a game that can appeal to anyone in any demographic. My older sister who hates video games, uh, will even ask to play. This simply reinforces my view on the previous statement about Tetris being near perfect. Um, so they go on to say nice things and say that they hope to see us at PRGE again. Um, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Coming out. We just, cause a couple of people have asked this. We're not, we're still doing PRGE, even though we're doing a duck fest. Yes. So yep. Both. We have a table, Maybe. all that. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a, yeah, that, that's awesome. Like I, I still really want to watch Tetris world championships. I just haven't like wanted to watch on YouTube. Like it is ideally a thing that would be really fun to do live and in person yeah there's but, uh there, there, there's something about being in a room and holding your breath at the same time a bunch of people are holding their breath yeah yeah, yeah. like at the bottom of the ocean <laughs> I, just, I, I explained it like i was an alien i didn't mean to but you know what i mean right just the <laughs> yeah, the the, no, the, the, I, the collect yeah. the collective suspense you know yes yeah, yeah. i was just teasing you yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah and hopefully we do see you at uh prg mm -hmm. um Andrew, uh, moving on to, we got one response to the Adventures of Lilo. Uh, Andrew says via contact. Uh, boy, oh boy, it was a mistake to try to play this a couple months after Baba is you. I constantly found myself hitting the X button on my Switch, Baba's rewind button, 
every time Lolo pushed a block one move too far. I enjoyed the first couple floors of Lolo when I thought uh, that the play loop of the game was see a new creature, figure out how it works, overcome it, a Sokoban Safari, if you will. Once I realized there are actually like five creatures, it became a lot less interesting to me. I know this is a taste thing, but every Sokoban variant is only fun to me for as long as it can manage to not be Sokoban. Lolo managed about five floors, which is pretty good. But those five floors were frustrating as I'd constantly have to reset more and more often. Not because I didn't know the solution, but because executing the solution felt so fidgety. It's the opposite of what I love about Baba. I, I want to be forced to think outside the box, not gingerly guide the box over and over because I keep accidentally pushing it one iota past where it needs to be. Uh, is it fair to compare an NES game to a modern game without acknowledging the context of the time and technology limits? Maybe not. But I'm not writing a top 10 Sokoban of all time list. I'm deciding how to spend my limited time on Earth. Anyway, have you played Baba is You? Baba is You is very good. It'll break your brain in fun, challenging ways. And uh, it took like at least 10 hours or more for it to become Sokoban. Even then, it still has a lot of levels that aren't really. I'm sure Baba took a lot of inspiration from Lolo, including the name, I guess. Uh, and I appreciate it for that. But you're really telling me there is no way to let you know which hearts uh, and how many hearts would activate your power and give you egg balls. <laughs> Please um, don't give me egg balls. Yeah, I just would prefer not. Yeah. Uh, uh, I did. No, my gusta huevos. No, my No, viva. No, viva egg ball. Um, egg balls. El Diablo. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't. Um, I, I played a little bit of Baba as You. I got it and played a little bit of it and mm -hmm. then got distracted for assignment play. Yep. And have not gone back to it, even though, like, I dig it. Mm -hmm. um, I will play it. Um, I do think that it's unfair to compare them because it's, like, not in what you play, but in terms of, like, how good they are. Because there's, like, 40 years of difference between them. Right, right. You know, or something like that. So mm -hmm. it feels uh, mildly unfair. I'm not calling you out about, based on that, but I do. Or 30 years of difference. Yeah. So it just feels like, uh, yeah, they're going to be, like, super different. Like, the same mm -hmm. way comparing Jumpman to Mario Odyssey. Yeah, just... Markedly different levels of sophistication. You yeah. Know? So you you know if you if you talk about them in the in the same breath, it is not to you know evaluate them and hold one up against the other. It is more to decide what one owes the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and to me, I felt like you know we came down on Lolo pretty positively because it's breezy mm -hmm. and does not take very long. Like if it were meant to be like a grueling long experience. Yeah. Uh, and if I didn't have save states for later, like levels to get past that uh, rewind thing, mm -hmm. I might have felt worse about it. Yeah. But evaluating it as a thing, like I kind of dig it. Um, I probably Baba's you is probably much better. It's, yeah. you know, Lolo is not trying to blow your mind. No. Like the same way Baba is you is. Yeah. Um, I like Baba is you. It took a lot longer to get to the point where it felt um, too much for me than mm -hmm. I expected it to. Yeah. Because um, well, all the, the, puzzle masochists that we're friends with love it yes so i was like oh, okay like my puzzle masochist friends like it so it's not for me <laughs> you know this is going to be a steven sausage roll situation like yes. this is not going to be you know but it's not that which i really like it's a lot mm -hmm. more accessible yeah than such mm -hmm. yeah that's good uh, yeah uh it's cool yeah. i dig it um so yeah thanks everybody for writing in um if you have responses about the games we're going to cover hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact mm -hmm. we're going to announce july and august now um if you have questions for us and you want to ask uh, for these episodes hit us up on patreon at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv mm -hmm. and uh, we are going to be doing a bonus episode uh, which patrons only shall get yes so uh patronize uh, us if you want to hear a bonus dispatch yes a bonus dispatch where we kind of clean up because a lot of the responses have backed up 
So yep. we want to. So we uh, want everyone to get their questions answered. We're just going to sit and go ham on yep. uh, some questions and topics and uh, kind of freeball it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll not have associated responses. Yes. But. Viva Hamon. Um, Viva. Ham, ham, ham on, ham on. Um, Eva, <laughs> uh, so yes, if you have thoughts about uh, the games for July, July is our final theme month. It is 3D yep. platformer month. Uh, yep. So thoughts about A Hat in Time, Psychonauts, or Mirror's Edge, the deadline will be July the 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're finally announcing July, uh, August, mm-hmm. uh, which August, home of the summer JRPG. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people were, uh, you know, Eagerly anticipating this, I think is going to go over well. Yes. We have a crowd play there. Uh, the first thing we're doing in August is uh, this is a patron request and a guest episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing Way of the Samurai. Yep. A uh, largely forgotten PS2 game that is super cool, cult classic. Um, a lot of people have not played it. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to replaying it. I Me. played it when I was younger. It's cool as hell. Me too. It is super neat. Uh, it is a game that is designed to be very short and lend itself to multiple playthroughs. Incredibly mm-hmm. divergent. Yeah. Like a Rashomon yeah. explicitly thing. Um, then yeah. our summer JRPG for this year is going to be Final Fantasy V. Indeed. Yeah. A two-parter on the Final Fantasy V. Yeah. So we're, you know, it's, I'm, you know, JR, I'm, I'm have enough appetite for a JRPG to uh, not have to like stuff it in the near hole. <laughs> but i wanted to do something it wasn't like okay time for time for final fantasy 13 yeah you know it was i i wanted some systems and yeah. i'm real into systems right now and final fantasy 5 has amongst the best in the I'm, series it's got the, it's got the job system oh, i'm so excited yep. um, it's a it's a really good job system yep i'm gonna play I, it on I, the uh gonna play it on the game boy advance mm-hmm. i've already started my mm-hmm. so have i um, actually a couple months the, uh, ago <laughs> yeah I, I haven't done very much on it but i started <laughs> yeah. it um, we've got another kind of long game of a similar stripe coming the next month yeah. that I've also started. Um, the, uh, I was making a, a pithy tweet and was comparing the first disc of final fantasy seven, the remake ending after Midgar being like a remake of final fantasy seven that ends when you get the jobs. <laughs> Can you final fantasy five. When you get final fantasy five. Yeah. Like a seven, a 60 hour game <laughs> jobs unlock games over. What is this? A Xenoblade? Like you can't, can't like introduce systems that late no. it's dumb as hell um yeah looking forward to final fantasy 5 though which uh, to me is the most teflon story in the series but i love the systems mm-hmm. looking forward to it yeah uh and then another uh patron request the patrons have been killing it uh with a uh, game we've wanted to do for quite a while uh and we're very grateful to be pushed into doing it which is wolfenstein the new order yep and that will be our premium episode for that month mm-hmm. yep so uh that is the, the machine head games uh reboot of wolfenstein that somehow takes the uh the nazi killing maze shooter and turns into a game with a unreasonable amount of pathos mm-hmm. and also setting the stage for us eventually doing the new blood which has like the best one of the best scenes in games of all time hmm. and so yeah there is a, there's a scene in that that is just like absolutely jaw-dropping showstopper yeah like so good um yeah so that's gonna be a great month august and we have basically the rest of the year mm-hmm. planned and it's all rad yeah um we still have some slots so if you're interested in uh, executive producing a game, you still can. Right. Um, you know, it's we're getting now to like October, November, as far as when those would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have some slots. Slot. So hit us up if that's something you're interested in. Yeah. Um, otherwise, though, I mean, thank you so much for listening. If you um, have it in you, consider going to patreon.com slash TV and consider throwing us a couple of bucks a month. Makes a huge difference for us in terms of being able to dedicate uh, the time that we need to 
um, you know, to, to, to make these shows like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you. If you have done that in the past. Yeah, we really do. Uh, really do appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think so. So yeah, stay tuned for that bonus episode and, uh, thank you for your support and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, umbasa. Good night.